So, uh, Foy, got anything for the opening? Nothing about the Stone Man. Not one word about the Stone Man. If you mention the Stone Man, I will cut to the opening montage straight away. I will cut you off in mid-sentence. Nothing about the Stone Man. But anything else, please, go ahead. Well, I'd like to thank you all for joining us for our uh, long-awaited three-hour discussion of the Stone be prepared bring everything you got because if he catches you he's gonna make you wish you were dead look i know this is a dark moment but it does get better this is the worst of it okay these kids are coming out here and they're killing themselves all over the woods oh my god that makes so much welcome to steak land kid prometheus are you saying this no you're a special one, Mandy. The curse of the Lords of Salem, possessing the souls of the Salem women. Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine. They've come here to see me. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. Yo, sorry, man. Get out! Is Tamara home? She wants to get inside of me. Can feel her. What happened to my sweet girl? She's gone! Just say it. Just fucking say it. Don't you swear at me, you little shit! Please don't scream. So what do you want? It's crazy evil. Hello and welcome back to Scream Addicts. I'm Jinx, your host, and I'm sitting here, well, kind of sitting here. Am I sitting here? Would you count it as such? You know, I'm going to say I'm sitting here with Scott Foy and Matt Serafini. In what's become a yearly tradition, the three of us are going to sit down and run through our best horror slash top ten lists. Uh, However, this year, rather than doing a top ten of the year, Feeney and I will be running down our top ten of the decade. Foy, just to be a contrarian, will be doing a bottom ten slash worst of the decade list instead. So, no, not a normal episode, but it's something fun we'd like to do as, you know, just a bit of a bonus. Uh, also, again, I'm just, I'm not going to talk about the Stone Man. Uh, anyway, guys, it's been a year, and it's also been a year. How the hell are you guys? What's new? What's happening? What's going on? What, uh, how, how, how are you guys? Go ahead, Foy. Uh, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's not a whole lot to add. Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna take some of Foy's time. Then, guys, pull up a chair, pull a drink, pour a drink. Uh, Let's let's make this a three-hour show. I can. I'm a teetotaler now. Oh well, that's good. Actually, that's good. 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 Um, No, last weekend. No, I was not. Uh, last weekend probably contributed to my being a detail. Look, here's the thing. The last six months have been on and off kind of really fucking rough. I uh, I drank entirely too much. I mean, anybody who follows me on Twitter, I, I pretty much charted every fucking drink that I took. Uh, so no, no, my New Year's resolution two weeks in advance is to uh, put down the bottle and see how that goes for me. Wish me well. Oh, you can. Yeah, I was trying to convince you that we already recorded the show and you had forgotten for <laughs> it in your drunken stupor. Okay, here's, quite uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that, uh, well, maybe I'm a little ashamed to admit that, uh, for a good five seconds, I thought that that had maybe been the case. And that, I, that's entirely too long, but I was like, shit, did we, did we, rec- what the fuck did we, no, no, we couldn't have. Could we? <laughs> Can you imagine if there was a whole lost show? <laughs> just washed out of your mind. 
<laughs> we're just sending you to like we recorded four hours and you didn't roll in any of it. <laughs> uh, that would have been yeah, that would have been something. I wonder if my number one would have been. All you kept doing was every number on your list. You kept screaming a human centipede movie. <laughs> <laughs> number five, human centipede four. There isn't a four. <laughs> there should be. Yes, there should be. I haven't seen two or three. I, I remember you... not hating one. So at least there's that. One's really good. Did you see the the preview for the new Tom Six movie, the Onania Club? No, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, the Onania Club. Uh, go watch that that trailer um, after this this show. Okay, and, with, and... with that title, what 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 is what what's the movie about with with that that title? <laughs> the the um is the it, basic... is it what I'm thinking or I don't know. What are you thinking? I don't want to say what I'm thinking. Well, uh, the the premise um, from a really bird's eye view is women who are aroused by tragedy, and uh, I'll leave it at that. That is not quite what I okay. No, fair enough. All right, that's so. So it's, so it's the Tom Six version of Crash. Yeah, <laughs> actually, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Cronenberg. They just keep fucking remaking him this year. <laughs> uh, you know how how is it that we're getting more Cronenberg remakes than actual Cronenberg movies? I'm I'm kind of pissed about that. I was in fucking Grindhouse Video not a week ago browsing around, and I realized I did not own Cosmopolis or uh, 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 is it Maps to the Stars uh, on Blu-ray. So I picked them up, and I realized that I had never seen Maps to the Stars. That is a what a three-year-old Cronenberg movie that I have not fucking seen. So. But at the same time, why, why, why is that his last movie? Why have we not gotten anything from him? Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, he's he's getting up there, right? Maybe he's kind of just use. appreciating. Uh, no. Maybe he's just appreciating his 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 life. You he's know? not John maybe. Carpenter. He's not sitting at home on the couch playing fucking video games. I refuse to believe that. No, he's. I'm sure he's not. But he's. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've never really thought about what David Cronenberg does in his. Here's a here's a better question. Does anyone in Hollywood know that there's also other horror writers besides Stephen King and Joe Hill? Like, it's like, well, like it, it, if they're not remaking something that Stephen King, they're adapting something else that Stephen King. And it's like, you know, there, there's other very talented horror writers out there, bestsellers. You know, I'm okay with that, though, because, damn it, when I grew up, Stephen King was, like, the biggest name in horror. You couldn't escape his name. He was a household name before the internet, right? And it seemed like there was that weird lull where... People kind of forgot about him a little bit. People who weren't diehard fans, it seemed like, you know, and it's not even a matter of the movies coming out, you know, being huge. It's just, it seems like, am I wrong about that? It, it seems like there was kind of like this, uh, this, this dive in popularity for him. And I love the fact that the last, what, three years or so has seen like a major resurgence. I mean, he's, he's a household name again for, you know, an entirely new generation. I think that's cool. Did not care for the new Pet cemetery that much. Just throwing that out there. Well I, well, I only hope I only hope Blumhouse's Firestarter remake can live up to the high standards of Firestarter Rekindled. Uh, poor Marguerite Moreau. Um, sorry, closeted oh. queen of the damned fan here. <clears throat> so, just gonna let that one slide. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I, if you're gonna remake, did you, are you guys picking up the new Fangoria by any chance? I am. Okay, do you remember the issue that did kind of like the movie that never was, the version of uh, Firestarter that was supposed to star like Kurt Russell and Carpenter was going to do it and all? Like, they could do something like that, but nothing I've seen about like the announcement on the new Firestarter has got me like super excited yet. Maybe fantastic. I don't know, but... Uh... I mean, the, the, you know, the, 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 the old movie's not great. Like, it's it's got some really great stuff. Um, the pyrotechnics are, are really awesome and the score's great, but um, it's not, it's it's... There's there's a lot of room to improve on that for sure. 
Yeah, but you, you know, we, we all know the fire is going to be almost entirely CG. No! Yeah. Oh, please, God, no. Not CG fire. Not in Firestarter. Anything but... I just... You know, I hate CG fire more than I hate CG blood. And I hate CG blood a whole hell of a lot. But And you know what? I, I'm also really hoping that the theme song is like a slow, dark gothic version of prodigy's fire started <laughs> <laughs> oh god it'll at least play in the trailer that way um <laughs> hey uh guys i am willing to just yap all night long uh but foy it should be noted for listeners out there has insisted that we not do any three-hour shows even though i don't think we've actually done a three-hour show yet in the last two years we've gotten close but uh so, so Foy has threatened to bring out an egg timer on uh, each of the movies that we chat about. Foy, is that are you are you following through on that? Do you actually have a timer? Uh, I don't. I don't have an egg timer, but I, I could probably get one. Okay. Uh, so I could just I could just, just sit in the back background and make the uh, the the final Jeopardy music every time someone speaks. <laughs> please don't do that. Or actually, please do that. I don't know. You know what? Surprise me. I don't care. Uh, I, I will ask this of you guys. Uh, you know, since we're not really doing a uh, top 10 of 2019, uh, we're doing the top 10 of the decade instead. Do you guys have any standouts from this past year that you want to chat about? Anything that you want to throw some love at? I think my favorite movie of the year, actually, uh, or not, maybe not quite the favorite movie of the year, definitely my favorite genre movie of the year, and one of my favorites of the year uh, is Dr. Sleep. I, I think Dr. Sleep is a masterpiece. Uh, what is this it pains me to say this because i okay oh god i'm gonna i'm gonna have to take a minute here i'm sorry that was my single most anticipated movie of the year i i love flanagan i had just seen the haunting of hill house for the first time at around the time that the movie was you know announced or the trailer came out anyway uh the shining is one of my favorite movies i caught it in theaters during that brief like uh, i think it was a one night showing only like in 4k i couldn't have been more pumped to see that movie and i watched it and i watched it after so many people had called it a masterpiece after people had gone on and on and on and on and on about how fucking amazing it was right and i don't think my expectations could have been any higher and i watched it and it's a really good movie it's i would even say it's a great movie but i think my expectations hurt my initial enjoyment of that i can't wait to watch it again i'm gonna buy the blu-ray day of i can't wait to see that director's cut that was just announced today but there's just something about it that didn't fully land for me like i it feels like the movie wants to have a big beating heart behind it and it never quite gets there for me spoiler alert if you don't want to know anything about this movie but i'm going to tap dance around it a little bit but the climax of the film there is a moment with a character that we love that should feel like an emotional sledgehammer. And instead, it's just kind of like, eh, you know, and uh, for as great as Alex Esso is as Wendy, I think she's fucking brilliant. Uh, and as much as I respect the fact that they didn't want to do like any, you know, uh, CG, like Marvel style trickery and, you know, uh, sort of de-age actors, um, 
man, the one scene with the one guy, and you know who I'm talking about. Like, it just, it took me so fucking far out of the movie when it should have been drawing me in even more. And I like that actor. It's just there's something about it that was so fucking cartoonish to me because of how he looked and how he's behaving. I just, I don't know. Every every moment where I wanted the movie to soar, it just kind of stumbled instead. There's a lot to love about it. But... I just, it wasn't the masterpiece that I wanted it to be. Now, I've ramped, I, I, did you guys hang up on me? Are you guys still there? Usually Foy interrupts by now. Uh, Feeney, why do you think it's a masterpiece? And please convince me. Oh, oh no pressure. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to convince you. Um, That that is not my job, but I will, I will tell you, I, I I really, um, I really like it. I, I like the, um. The novel that it's based on um, is not my favorite King book, but it was a it was a novel that um, that I read and one of the one of the one of the kind of latter day Kings that that did kind of get me emotionally. I thought all the Danny stuff um, was really poignant, kind of the sort of being adrift in life and just kind of like being an, an aimless kind of you know a nameless kind of guy and. Um, I thought that stuff is it works really really well in the in the film. Um, I think kind of using the kind of the the baggage of the Kubrick movie um, as kind of the foundation for it. I think it, it, it does. I felt it worked really well to kind of anchor uh, Danny's Danny's kind of lot in life, and um, you know I love just the, the all that stuff in the hospice. Uh, it's just a really kind of a downer downer thing but it but in the way that king writes that stuff really well um you know because it is it's just such a fact of life and he kind of is just it's it's the it's that kind of thing that that stephen king i think always taps into where it's like he just these moments that we all kind of go through or have you know we've we've all felt something similar you know danny kind of easing these people into death and it you know i mean it's very similar to to the the um you know when my 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 own dad passed a couple years ago and so there's like there's all that sort of stuff that i think gives it gives it that resonance um and it's really it's really you know it just i don't know it works really well on that level for me um i think though the novel um and and i'll get back to why i like the movie um maybe a little bit more than the novel is that uh in the novel the true not the villains um led by rose the hat played by rebecca ferguson who's the best part of the movie i think she's incredible um i think in the book they don't it doesn't work as well in the book um and i i think it's it doesn't it's not that they don't work as well it's just like it's kind of a strange concept and king just kind of is like yeah you go with it you know these this this these nomadic vampires that feed off of the steam of people with the shining and they drive around the country and you're kind of just like what 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 um and the way it's visualized in the film i think just kind of i think it kind of i think it makes it a little more palatable um and then by the time you get into the kubrick sort of iconography of it all um i really liked it i, I love the, the the scene you're talking about actually i know what you mean there's a moment at the top of that scene where I thought, am I into this? Am I distracted that this isn't what I thought it was going to be or, or what? But I got past that pretty quickly because I think um, the character that you're talking about in that scene doesn't necessarily remember that he was somebody else. 
Um, you know, and I think back to The Shining when you had Jack talking to Grady and Grady didn't, you know, the, the bartender and the bartender didn't, didn't really remember that he was Grady, the caretaker. And so there's a little bit of dissonance there in, in this performance that we're talking about that I found interesting. Um, and I think that's the best way to, that it could have been played. Um, I w- I, you know, again, I did think for a second about it and I did think, well, I don't know, is this taking me out of the movie? And it did for maybe a second. Um, Can I ask you a question? It, it won me back. Yeah. Do you think that for getting execution, you know, no matter how they were going to do it, do you think that scene even needed to be in the film? If you removed that moment, do you think it would hurt the film at all? Because I, I to me, it felt like it was going to be this huge emotional moment between those two characters. And there was going to be a sort of an emotional resolution between the two. And there should be. And there wasn't. Instead, it was just kind of like, I don't know, it just played as kind of like this weird, strangely kind of like offbeat moment with a character that we're, we know. And it's kind of, it's more of a revisit than something that serves the story or serves the character, you know, Danny, that is. Uh, I just, I, 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 I don't know what purpose it serves. And as a film goer, like, I wanted that moment. I wanted to see that character. I'm like, how the hell could you have a sequel and not you know, um, uh, uh, visit that character again or revisit that character. And instead, you know, after I watched it, I was just kind of like, are, are we going to get more? Are we, is that, is that it? Is that, is that all they're doing with him? Really? You know, I think, I, I think it, I think it's illustrative of, you know, a, that obviously that, well, it's a, look, it's Danny's father. Okay. It's Jack. Jesus people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. Spoiler alert, you should have seen it when it was in theaters, no matter what I'm saying right now. You should have supported it. It was a massive horror movie that came out a week after Halloween. Uh, If if this is a spoiler for you, that is your own damn fault. I don't care if the movie is only a month old. Yeah. um, No, I mean, I think I think I think it's the the kind of the specter of Jack that kind of haunts Danny throughout the whole movie. And I think it also um, I think it's just kind of in that moment we know. We know what happened to Jack. We know the choice that Jack made in The Shining um, after that scene. And I think it's sort of just sort of the the sort of crossroads for Danny where it's like you're either going to, you know, you're either going to succumb to your demons um, or you're going to make you're going to make a better choice. And I think I think it's just sort of illustrative of that. That, that was the that's how that scene played for me. OK, I got a question. Feeny, is this is this one of your 10 best of the decade? This is no that we're talking Egg we're, timer. Uh, (laughs) you've been talking about it for 10 minutes (laughs) i've been sitting here messing with my phone trying to figure out some way to start playing the final jeopardy music it wouldn't work i was gonna move on really quick until jinx went off on a tangent what do you want me to say i'm sorry the host is the guy we need you know what that's it all right so anyway the stone man let's talk about the stone man for a minute All right, uh, uh, 2019 movies to. Uh, I, I, am, I, I, am, I am going to read my letterboxed review of the Stone Man later, but um, oh, but God. before that, um, that's all I got for 2019, guys. That I don't, I, I, it's not that I, I, it's not that I liked or didn't like other films, um, but it's just that other than Doctor Sleep, that that was really the only one that kind of really like gave me a spiritual kick offside the head and and really excited me i mean there was plenty i like i liked us um but nothing that i i feel like i need to kind of recap and deep dive into so uh that that's about it for me for this year 
That's fair. Yeah, I'm I, kind uh, of the same thing. There, there's nothing really for me to deep dive into, but I, I could rattle off a couple of ones that I really like this year. Ready or Not. Yes. I really like that. That was a really good horror comedy. Uh, Crawl was surprisingly good. It's my number two. Yep. Uh, Ch- Child's, the Child's Play remake, I really like. It just shouldn't have been Child's Play. No. It shouldn't have been Chucky. It should have been its own thing. And if it had been, then it would have been much higher on my list. I actually really like that. That was, that was, a, that was a big surprise. I wish uh, they would have I, just I, called the damn thing Child's Play. And just change the names of all the characters. Don't make it Chucky. Make it something else. Don't make it Andy. Make it something else. You can coast on the title, but it's so different in every way. Just don't continually remind me of the other franchise every time somebody speaks the damn doll's name. But I did like the movie. And uh, you know what? I'll give a quick shout out to the best bad horror movie of the year, mm-hmm. which was Countdown, which is absolutely stupid from start to finish but i was thoroughly entertained by it i actually really want to see that i'm sorry i missed it it seems like something i would enjoy it it feels like a movie trimark would have made like in 1995 yeah that's old yeah i just i remember i I remember talking to feeney about it it's like in one of the like the first 10 minutes of the movie the, the the main character who's a nurse uh has to go into the the wing of the hospital that's under repair and looks like it's straight out of like the, the like it looks like a haunted house. It's just this dilapidated area, and there's a it's like the moment she goes in there, it's like, yep, this is exactly where the entire finale of the movie is going to take place. <laughs> and sure enough, that's exactly what they did. I mean, really, it, it's a it, it boils down to. It's a movie about a demon that kills you if you break the user agreement. <laughs> That's what it boils down to. Because apparently there's an app and it tells you exactly when you're going to die. And if it's going to be sometime like in the next like 10 minutes and then you do something to prevent whatever was supposed to happen from happening, you get a notification that your user agreement has been broken and now it's going to kill you. And the way it kills you is just like, it's oh god you got to see it it's so wonderfully stupid you've made me want to see this movie and seek it out now that's and, uh and, and real quick i will say this the best horror of the entire year the the, the single scariest most unnerving thing of the enti- of all of 2019 it wasn't even a horror movie oh, it was chernobyl. What I think you're say. oh maybe not no it, no it was chernobyl it was, if you don't see that HBO miniseries, that first episode is more unnerving than any horror movie I've seen in the past 10 years. Holy shit. I haven't seen it yet, but I really yeah. want to. I mean, basically, the first episode is just like the, the initial accident happening. And all you're watching for an hour is all of these people who are either making bad decisions that are going to get people killed or people who don't know better, who are basically just going into certain death. <laughs> it's like a guy... The, what, the firemen who all had to like, oh yeah, oh no no no, there's no there's no meltdown happening. Just just uh, call in the fire department because there's a fire on the roof, and the guy picks up this stuff and he's just like, what is this piece of metal? I don't understand. Oh. And then five minutes later, his hands are melting because he just picked up a piece of a reactor core. Oh my god! Yeah, I'll have by the, to see by, this. By the, yeah, by the third or fourth episode, you're actually seeing what happens when you get like a full dose of radiation poisoning and your body is literally melting. It's it's horrifying. Okay. 
I'm going to give Chernobyl a look. I need to watch Watchmen, too. I need to watch more HBO stuff. You need to watch The Stone Man again. Moving on. Uh, the only thing I have for 2019, I you know, it's funny. I made a top ten list for the hell of it, and I realized that there's only one, like, movie on there that I would consider truly great, and the rest are just, you know, varying degrees of fun. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of stuff this year that, like, popped up on Shudder. I still need to... Uh, to catch a handful of things there. But, uh, you know, I threw Crawl on there, ready or not. Uh, I really liked it, Chapter 2. Uh, Doctor Sleep did make an appearance. I liked Us, Annabella Comes Home, Escape Room, Child's Play. And somehow, some way, the second viewing kind of won me over. Uh, apologies to Jerry Smith out there. Three from Hell wound up yeah. winning me over on a second viewing without benefit of a crowd full of fucking creeps cheering on the villains in the movie. Um, Actually, you know, I, when I saw that in the uh, theater, I was one of those creeps cheering on the villains. It might have been the pumpkin ale, but it was... It was a, <laughs> I, I Wait, hold, hold on a second. Did I miss something? I have not seen this movie, but almost every review I've seen from somebody who liked it talked about like, oh, it's so amazing the way that the Firefly family went from being the villains to the heroes. No, that's oh, no, me, Todd. Yeah, that, that's, that's, my, that's my take. I've seen a lot of people say that, and I was just like, wait. Weren't they like just horrifying serial killers? <laughs> yeah, well, and it, rapists. It, 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 and you know what? It's this is the this is, people. this is the this is the this is this is Rob Zombie playing to his strengths. You know, because it, it's for you know, you look at the Halloween movies, and I think that I don't want to get into those at all. But I mean, um, you know, you can't really talk about the first movie in that series, Rob Zombie's Halloween, without kind of saying like. Whether you like it or not, like I, I think everybody can agree, like his strength isn't writing like teenage girls or or really any kind of normal, um, regular character, right? He he doesn't he's not doesn't seem that interested in it, and he he doesn't really, uh, you know, he doesn't really care to do it. So with, with three from hell, at least he's kind of like you know what, fuck it. I the I like these characters; they're gonna do bad shit. But by the end of the movie, you know what, you're gonna be rooting for them. And it was kind of like, all right, fine. Like, I, I, I don't know. It just felt like the culmination of his entire career to me. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. When I saw it, I just I reacted so badly to. Yeah, I, I, I think House of a Thousand Corpses is a blast. I Devil's Rejects, I think, is one of the best fucking horror movies of the last fifteen years. Um, Three from Hell, like you know when. When somebody cracks a joke about getting ready, what was it about the blade being sharp enough? And uh, trust me, you don't want to know, like that gag. You know, that moment should play is kind of chilling because you know what's about to happen to that woman, right? And yet my entire audience was like, oh, ho, 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 you know, let's, uh, let's wait and see what's going to happen here. You know, oh, there it is, you know. And same thing like with, you know, you have um, – the wife of the warden, or was it, uh, you know, the, 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 the friend's wife. But, you know, she gets her throat slit, and then somebody cracks a joke, and everyone's laughing like the movie's fucking comedy. And I was just, I remember sinking down into my seat and feeling like the entire thing was sort of just, like, indescribably ugly. And I, I really, really didn't like it. But, of course, being a good fanboy who really wanted to see the documentary on the Blu-ray, I wound up picking it up, and... uh 
watching it on my own, it felt more like rejects to me. It felt like, you know, these people are really charismatic. It's very easy to watch them, but they are bad people and they do horrible things and they're not meant to be celebrated. And the movie worked so much better for me as a result. I think that Zombie knows that that's how that movie is going to play, though. I mean, because I, I, I think like the beginning of it is a very meta sort of approach. It's like, OK, if you you want another Firefly movie, here it is. You're going to have one. You're the idiots that are fucking screaming, free the three, free the three, because this is what you want. That's you know what I mean? so and interesting. I, and I wish it had gone that route. I kind of wish the entire movie had been a faux documentary. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's a movie that that uh, plays to all Rob Zombie's strengths. I think um, I think, like I said, I mean, I don't think Rob Zombie is that interested in in kind of lecturing anybody about about, you know, uh, oh, these are bad people. They need to be punished because Rob Zombie shows us time and time again. He he's more interested in these these characters than than he is like any normal people. And in this movie, there isn't anybody normal to root for at all. So you kind of just you kind of find yourself rooting for the familiarity of the characters that you've been watching for, you know, 15 years. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting movie. I, I, I think it's I think it's it was very, very unfairly dismissed, I think. Um, and, and hopefully as it's out there in the digital space now, people will kind of give it another look or, or maybe try and think about it. Cause I think it does have a lot on its mind and it is kind of neat in that way. And that's all I'll say about it. All right. Uh, so we are about 30 minutes in Foy. I'm sorry, but uh, shall we go ahead and start tackling our, uh, our top 10 of the decade? What do you want? Do you want to start at number 10 and just work our way down to one? Does that make sense? Well, if you start at one, that kind of defeats the purpose. Like, <laughs> Well, everything else I'm, is like, yeah, right. I'm ready to up in convention here. All right. You know, yeah, fuck that. Let's start at number one. I'm kidding. Please. No. Anyone who, who wants to go first, Feeney or Foy? Uh, wait, Foy, are you really doing a worst list? No, I don't know what the hell this meant. <laughs> no, it's but, just it, this, it, this it, time every year I expect three things. I expect worst of lists to go up. I expect Twitter to react really badly to worst of lists going up, and then I expect Foy to react really badly to Twitter reacting very badly to worst of lists going up. So I, I just I, I had to nod to that. I'm sorry. To, to me, it's just to, to, to me, it's just like I don't understand why do we why does this have to happen every year? It's like people just ignore them and move on. Your worst <laughs> list means about as much as a best list. <laughs> everybody was so pissed off because uh, the variety critic actually put once upon in time in hollywood on the, the worst list and i'm just thinking like so it's like <laughs> is, it, is it legally binding does that mean now no one can ever enjoy it it's like guys I, I love the reaction from christopher mcquarrie who's like hey i'd rather have my movie appear on a best uh, on a worst list than ever have to write a best list <laughs> He's like David right. telling other filmmakers, like, look, let critics do their job. Let's do our job. Stay in our lanes. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, fine. <laughs> I just yeah, really want to know what time. Joe Bob Briggs' personal. The best part was that whole argue, the whole anti worthless thing didn't even really happen this year until that variety thing happened. And then everyone just lost their minds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh... that's. That's the dangers of living extremely online. You get, you just kind of get wrapped up in all the nonsense, and uh, and it controls you. And it, and it, 
I don't think we I don't think we really understand yet what Twitter has done to the human brain, but I think at some point in the next ten years we're gonna there's gonna be some scientific finding that comes out that's gonna be like, oh, it's not good. We are we are <laughs> we are we have fucking nuked half of our our minds. Yeah, and, the, and the funny thing is, as I've told people, it's like. I don't even bother with most with, with reading the worst list for the most part. I don't really care. I just don't get why people keep getting, and especially when it's like the people who were who were who are having this meltdown about this are the same people I watched on Twitter on Oscar night getting absolutely apoplectic <laughs> at the thought Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody would win. It was almost like, hey, show us on the doll where these movies touched you. These were the same people who spent the weeks leading up to Joker screaming about how it was going to cause alt-right mass shootings, and Todd Phillips needs to be canceled immediately. <laughs> like, and but but and then all of a sudden the end of the year rolls around. It's like, yeah, yeah, worst list. Uh, I they just offend me. There's so much negativity. <laughs> I just I can't. and you know what? The people who read them and and do them, they're all awful people. And it's like, oh, shut up! You're so full of shit. I um, can I, I I think we've had this conversation every year too because it's just the time of the year. But can I can I? Yeah, I've even voiced this opinion before. I I personally have no interest in writing a worst of list, but I also don't freak the fuck out when I see worst of lists. You know, like I just it's it's fine. You know, they're they're cool. I uh... I, I I had an article published in Horror Hound this year where I just rattled off a giant list of with like little micro blurbs about all these like, you know, entertainingly fun, bad horror movies. And now all of a sudden they're all coming out on Blu-ray. All I was going to obscure- say you, you wrote a guide for distributors is what you did. Like I, I'm fairly certain somebody at vinegar syndrome was just like, <laughs> like, yep, that one, that one, that one. <laughs> well, fucking write another one. Will you foy and put iced on it for Christ's sakes. <laughs> oh, you're, you're going to be very unhappy if you listen to the uh, Red Letter Media Christmas show. Oh, I'm going to listen to it. Because they, they did not like Iced. <laughs> what, somebody on the internet doesn't like Iced? What are you kidding me? I know. And, guys, and what, 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 the, what the hell is Iced? Iced is a uh, 80s slasher movie set at a ski lodge. So, no, it's actually a, it's actually a '90s slasher movie that looks like an '80s slasher movie. No, <laughs> Iced is from Iced is from 1988. Slightly less sold, but I still want to see it. Well, wasn't it wasn't it that it didn't get released until the nineties? You guys are actually selling me less on the movie with every passing comment. I, I just don't. Know. I wouldn't try selling you on that one. I'm not a fan of it. Feeny loves that one. I love it. It's you great. know, I'm just I'm just glad, uh, Foy. I'm going to credit you with getting uh, Night Killer released on Blu-ray in a deluxe edition with a fun Texas Chainsaw Three slipcase and a fucking enamel pin like that. That was all you. I believe that. I, I just still remember I actually got like a bootleg copy of that for you, like Ferfini and I to watch. And then like a year later, it's like, oh, yes, this giant deluxe special edition Blu-ray. I'm like, what the hell is going on? It, it, uh, and, uh, if I ever get a tattoo, it's going to read, I was molested in the little boy's room. This movie has a 4K bl- special edition Blu-ray. It's a, They found the other cut it's on blu-ray everyone's suddenly talking up oh what a great bad movie you got to see this movie and it's just like guys it's fucking awful it's Wait, terrible it, huh you're getting kind of skypey on us what movie are you talking about now oh i'm sorry tammy and the t-rex oh i want to buy that so bad 
here's the thing. It's like, there are people now saying, oh, it's such a wonderful movie. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's awful. Let it's, people have their opinions for it. I know that, but, like, but, but they're o- the only true entertainment value is to just watch that thing and go, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah, I've never seen it, and I, I'm a yearly subscriber, so I own it, but I yeah. I, I don't know when I'll be watching it. But it's like, it's not say, so. yeah. Well, uh, th- that kind of goes back to something I've complained about real fast. It's like, we've lost this ability to still admit that, hey, you know that bad movie you're entertained by? It's still bad. <laughs> like, I... I was thoroughly entertained by Countdown. It's not a good movie. I love The Werewolf of Woodstock. It's oh, not man. a good movie. Oh, I might take you to task on that one. I, I, yeah, I but it's, I mean, it's also semantics at that point because you're arguing like, well, it's not a good movie, but it's a movie I like. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I find it's, you know, the, the internet takes a lot of nuance out of things. So when you're when somebody is excited about a movie and they have a two hundred and 80 characters to, to express it. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's like, do you have to put the caveat of like, I know this is bad because I don't, you know, I don't know. I will say that reminds me if I'm not going to take a strong stance on worst of lists, I will take a strong stance on one thing, which is everybody who gets up in arms and all eye rolly about the, the term guilty pleasure. It's just like, oh, no, you should never be guilty of, you know, feel guilty of liking something. Well, no, that's not what we're fucking saying. Like, when I, when I say guilty pleasure, you know exactly what I mean. It's what we're talking about right now. It's a bad movie that you enjoy the hell out of. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Damn it, I, I like cotton candy, and I know full well that it's not good for me. I can admit that, you know? It's, that, that, yeah, I, that, that's the tension of the anti-worthless mentality. You can't even say a movie's a guilty pleasure anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna. Movie, I'm gonna be. Movie, I'm gonna be an advocate good. again, and I'm gonna say that uh, I I have never liked the term guilty pleasure, uh, and I I because I, I I have not. I never have, and it goes back to I think for me, um, you know, kind of just getting griefed for for all these movies that like I I I enjoyed, and again, never felt like I needed to break out a. a a blackboard to explain or illustrate the difference between like, you know, yeah. Is, is howling to Martin Scorsese? No. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think that guilty pleasure is fine. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not a grand, I'm not a, a term Nazi here, but, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like I've, I've never, I've never actually, I've never actually used it. I've never used it. Um, maybe it's how people I, take it because I've never taken it as, or I've never used it anyway as apologizing for liking something. And I think that's what a lot of people have assumed that that's what that is. To me, it's just a matter of shorthand. Like if, if Foy says, Hey, no, this is a great guilty pleasure movie or something like that. I know exactly what he means. You know, I think that's, I think that's true. I think you're, you're, you're exactly right. I think I agree with that. We're 37 minutes in. I have not heard one egg timer. Right, let's have Foy kick it off. Because <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. Like, that was the most I, uncomfortable I, bit of dead air I think this show has ever had. Any episode. So Great. I'm, I'm happy. We're, we're setting trends tonight. <laughs> uh, I, my, my top ten is like it's a real loosey-goosey top ten. Like I don't it's, – it's not – there's, no, there's no, no science to it. There's no real like strategy to it. It's in, and it may not even be like in the exact order. 
um, that I feel. It's literally just like over the last decade, movies that have stuck with me that I've gone back to um, that are that I think are interesting and and uh, you know worth worth talking about. So that that's my criteria. So I don't want to hear it if somebody's like, "How could you put two this that number two over?" You know what I mean? Like I I, I don't I don't. Let's not go there. No, I, I did the same thing. I just kind of looked back at like, what are the ones that I go that I would still rewatch? What are the ones that are on my shelf? It's like, like The Witch was a great movie, but honestly, it's like I've never had any desire to revisit it. Same. That yeah. uh, that almost made my list, but it was bumped for one other movie. So that's interesting that you bring that up. So wait yeah. a second, are we not doing a countdown then? Whatever you, if, we can if, do if a countdown. countdown. It would just be a superficial one because I mean, like. You know, we could do a ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four kind of thing, um, but track of things. Yeah, okay. yeah. In my in my case, it's like you know, I have the same thing. My number one. That's the only one. It's like yeah, that's my best horror movie of the past decade. But everything else, it's like. Eh, it's... Well, I'll give you a hint. It's not the Stone Man. Good, because I think well, in the last ten years. Yeah, that was two thousand three. <laughs> oh God! It, it 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 seems like it's from the eighties, but also the nineties. But also, two thousand three <laughs> sounds right. Like I <laughs> actually, actually, I believe if I understand correctly, it was actually made in like ninety seven or ninety eight. But it sat around for five years. I believe that, that that seems to be the sweet spot of when it would have been made. Actually, <laughs> yeah. especially because when you, if you watch the movie, it's like they clearly didn't finish the post production. No, no. Okay, who's going first? I'm the host, Uh, I can't. Go ahead, Floyd. All right, fine, I'll start it off. I'll do this quickly because number 10 on my list, and this might be a little bit of a controversial pick because it's not not a pure horror movie, but I put Shin Godzilla. Ooh. Shin Godzilla, which is, it's actually more of almost like a political satire, but it's the first Godzilla. Godzilla movies since probably the original. Well, Godzilla in 1985 kind of tried to go there, but it's the first one since the original that's like, hey, let's make Godzilla a truly horrifying, ominous force of nature that just kills and destroys without impunity. And in, in the scene, they, they redesigned Godzilla so that he doesn't look like a cool badass. He looks like a horrible mutation, like something's going wrong with him. So I'm going to pick that one up. That, that does sound really cool. It's so good. Yeah, the fir- yeah the, the first scene. Well, yeah, because the first the first incarnation of Godzilla is this weird giant. I guess you could almost say like tadpole thing, that's just slithering through and has these like crazy googly eyes. And then they, they, as the movie goes on, he becomes more like the traditional looking Godzilla. But you know the teeth are all like something's off, jagged. The body has crevices, and like it's like the radiation is actually like coming out of him. He's clearly in in pain. He moves extremely slow, but everything in his way gets gets annihilated. And there's no destroying him. There's no way to stop him. And that's the whole point of the movie. How do we stop him? And the biggest problem is, in order to stop him, first you got to get through all of the goddamn red tape. <laughs> because the whole, the whole thing is about the Japanese government and also having to deal with you know, international governments trying to figure out some way to stop this thing from basically destroying the world. <laughs> So, so it kind of it works on multiple levels. It's got, you know, you have the giant monster aspect. You have a horror aspect to it. 
you have a political satire. I mean, there's an absolutely hilarious scene where, you know, the uh, one of the, the guys doing a press conference for the Japanese government assuring everyone they have nothing to worry about. Whatever this thing is, it's an aquatic monster and it's not coming ashore. And mind you, we've already just seen him come ashore. And someone comes running out to interrupt the guy at the podium and like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is a great movie. Shit. I, I like that. I managed to catch it in a the theater and it was actually... It was a packed house in little Ashland, Kentucky, and uh, yeah, people adored it, I, I, which surprised me because it's unlike any other Godzilla movie I've seen. And pro- and now the people who made uh, Shin Godzilla are making Shin Ultraman, which I, I, I can't even begin to fathom how that's going to work. Is that true? That's amazing. That, that, that is true, yeah. They just posted yeah, a Shin Godzilla yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah, Shin Godzilla won like the Japanese Oscars for like best picture, best director. It, it, it made like I think it made something like seventy-five million dollars in Japan alone, which is an astronomical sum of money. I mean, like I think the two American Godzilla movies have both made only like maybe like fifteen <laughs> over in Japan. But this thing is like a cult. It became like a cultural phenomenon over there, and now they're doing Shin Ultraman, which. I don't know. I, I guess it's going to mostly be about the Japanese government trying to figure out how to deal with the uh, pollution and the atmosphere that keeps Ultraman's powers to three minutes. I'm not sure how this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Feeney, you're number 10. I'm going to go with Francis Ford Coppola's Twixt as my number 10. Nice. Um, it, it is a movie that I think is not only really was really underrated when it came out, but it's tr- been like tragically forgotten. Um, and, and it's another one that I just I don't think it had a chance in hell for whatever reason. But it's a movie that I'm stunned that like it it when I remember watching it the first time being like, why would this is the movie that people are ambivalent about? Like, it's great. It's visually really cool, um, you know, and it's kind of just a really great kind of uh, it pays it pays such homage to the kind of the the AIP, the Corman horror flicks. Um, and uh, and it's Coppola making it, which is just this kind of it's just kind of amazing. It's it's a little miracle of a movie that I just kind of can't believe exists, and that it was made by one of our greatest American filmmakers. Um, and Val, Val Kilmer's Kilmer. terrific in it. He's just he, you know, I mean, he's this struggling writer who's on a little rinky-dink book tour that's kind of you know done out of the back of his car, and he just kind of stops in this small town and gets embroiled in what's basically a you know the story of a missing girl that becomes something something a little more gothic um and it's just i i just love that film i i've watched it several times over the last 10 years and every time i watch it i like it more and i think it's a really great achievement for any late career director um and i just think it's too bad that it's kind of just fallen off the face of the earth I agree. I love that movie. I, I That was one of the first movies that I reviewed for Dread Central back in the day when I started writing for them. And I remember you were one of the few people, if not the only person, to sort of jump in and defend me for giving it a positive review. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love that movie. And I'll even admit, as much as I love it, I haven't seen it in years. So i got to revisit it. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. I mean, it gets better when you rewatch it. You know, it's uh, and and I do remember that. I think the your review might have been why I I rented it so fast, um, because I do I you know it was like one of those ones where the you know the gimmick was that Coppola was gonna re-edit it on the fly based on like 
reactions to to his roadshow tour, which I guess never happened after like one or two screenings of it. Um, because I don't really know, like, I'd love to kind of know, like, what that would have been about, like, what, you know, what movie he would have ended up with or whatnot. Experimental <laughs> film. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just, I don't know if anyone, anyone here listening that hasn't seen it, I mean, really give it a chance. Twixt, it's great. Yeah. Val Kilmer yeah. is just excellent. That might be the last great role he had, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number 10, look, I'm, I'm only doing this once because I had to, but, uh, my 10 spot is a tie between, uh, is it Frank Calfoon's Maniac remake and, uh, Jeremy Gardner's The Battery. Uh, I think Maniac is one of the best horror remakes ever made. Uh, I, I think it's so damn well made from a, from a guy whose other work I don't really care for that much. I'm not a big P2 fan. I didn't care for his Amityville movie, but holy shit is Maniac fantastic. Uh, I think it tops the original and, uh, I, I think it features Elijah Wood in what may be his best performance, even though we rarely see him in the movie. Uh, I just, it knocked it out of the park so much. And I remember, I don't know, it felt like the movie was going to be a big deal right before it came out. And then it came out and everybody loved it. And then it, again, that's another movie that, to me, it feels like people have kind of forgotten or just kind of set aside or pushed aside. Nobody really talks about it anymore. And um, fuck, I love it. I, I, I agree. It's on my list, too. It's It would be higher. Um, I think it's great. And I actually, I hadn't thought about this until you just said that. But I almost feel like that movie was just like a year or two ahead of its time. Um, and the reason I say that is because I remember watching it with my wife who had like just an – and she's a good sport. Does not Doesn't get shaken by much but found that movie incredibly disturbing, rightfully so. Um, but I remember she said something to me after the movie like, God, you know, like men are just – frightening like when they're when you don't know them and like she's like it it really like tapped into something primal with her and and um just knowing where that where the culture is gone and stuff i mean i think that movie was kind of just ahead of the curve and i think had it been a couple years later i think it might have been an important or an effective kind of you know movie conversation that i think maybe did sort of fall by the wayside because it it the timing was off a little bit but I agree with you. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great companion to the original. I think the original has that great New Yorkness to it, and then this one being like the the sort of the the contrast L.A. the the skeezy side of L.A. is really. I think the two. I think they make a nice yin and yang together. Foy, have you seen it? I, I yeah, I have seen that. It, it it is a. It is not a pleasant movie to watch. Is that putting it politely? <laughs> it's, it's really just like, it's a very disturbing movie. And, that, and, and, and that ending is just like, all right, I, it's time to take a shower. I feel unclean now. The movie has, the movie has accomplished what it set out to do. <laughs> all right. And I'll say that the battery is, um, it's one of my favorite zombie movies. Ever. Like, you know, unlike Romero's work, which I fucking adore, I think they're masterpieces, uh, the first four, anyway, and I do mean all first four, uh, or The Walking Dead, or 28 Days Later, or Fulci's Zombie, or really any other zombie movie, the battery works so well for me, because it feels so damned real, and I think that's simply down to the fact that, you know, Gardner made a Hangout movie. You know, he gives us a couple of great characters, and we just follow them around, and, you know, they're so different, uh, 
uh, you know, those guys, there's such a contrast between them. I think it would have made for an interesting movie without the zombies, but with them, like, I, well, I put it on my list. I think it's one of the best damn horror movies of the decade. You guys do not agree. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, no, no, I, I, I've actually never seen it, so I can't comment on that. That's all right. I, I've, it's good. I've heard I've heard very mixed reviews. The people who love it love it, and everyone else was kind of like, eh. I did, I did love it. But it was a good. I mean, I I liked it. It was a good. It was a good night at the movies. Um, you know, yeah. All right. Uh, we are at number nine. Who's going? I guess it's, I guess keep me keep going in the circle here. It's me, and number nine. Well, I've been to Japan, so let's go to Norway for Troll Hunter. <laughs> oh, that's I it. I don't know why that. That's it. That's I, I, don't, I, I was just like, why? Why did he giggle? It wasn't even like a dismissive. No, laugh. it's just it was. Like, it was... <laughs> No, I, I, you know, it was, it was, that was, that was surprising to me. I, I was just like, oh, I, I'd forgotten that movie existed, yeah, I, and not in a bad way. Like I just, yeah, it, it, it has kind of gotten forgotten about because you know we, the one thing we, we tend to forget here at the end of the decade is that the first couple years of the decade was about four hundred trillion found footage movies, most of which were just variations of Paranormal Activity or the Blair Witch Project. It, or, or the fake documentary, and that's what this one was. And it was actually one of the best of its kind, about a documentary crew basically doing a story about the people. In, but trolls are real; they're not just part of folklore. They're real, and there's a special group of people who deal with these trolls. And the whole thing—it's just—it's a weird movie because it's—it's—it's it's, it's a little bit of horror, a little bit of action, a little bit of comedy. Again, it's like I, one thing I really kind of noticed with my list is I like movies that kind of blended genres, that didn't just like go straight forward for one or the other. And this was like, and this one for me because I happen to I love like like weird international folklore, as Feeney can attest to, because I usually foist some of those movies on him. <laughs> and this was uh, if you've never seen Troll Hunter, it's just it's just an odd little movie about. How do, how do you fight trolls and also keep it a secret so that nobody knows about it, that it's actually true, which is the other little thing that's kind of interesting about the TV crew being a part of this is because the whole idea that the trolls are real is like nobody's supposed to know about this outside of Norway, which sets up a really great punchline at the end of the movie. So, yeah, I, I would recommend Troll Hunter. It's got a good mix. It, it, it almost feels like something that... I don't want to say Joe Dante would have made if he was like a crazy Norwegian making a found footage movie. Yeah, Hmm. there you go. I've never seen it. I have. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I I like it. I like it a lot. I, uh, I just, it, I, I, I think it's delightful that you chose it. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen it in ages. I remember it getting uh, all sorts of love from, uh, I think Rue Morgue put it on the cover once, and uh, I, I remember being really excited to see it, and then I watched it, and I was just kind of like, that was that was good. That was good. And I haven't thought about it since. I need to revisit it. That sounds well, so dis- I, I sound I, like I, a dick. I, I don't mean to sound dismissive of the movie no, at all. No, I, I, I think, <laughs> I, no, I think there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of that, because it's been 10 freaking years. It's like, until he said it a moment ago, I forgot Twitch even existed. <laughs> 
Well, right. I'm going to go. Uh, I don't, and I don't want to. I, I actually, anybody that that has listened to this in the past, um, we they've already heard this conversation, so we don't need to dwell. But I am going to say that uh, Darren Aronofsky's mother continues to uh, yes. kick around in my head, and what else uh, is on my list. And it is a um, it's a movie that I I've, I've watched a few times uh, at home, and um, I I still am endlessly delighted by that fucking weird ass movie. I cannot believe it was <laughs> produced by Paramount and released you know in, into theaters on a wide release. Um, I'll I'll probably never get over that one, um, and I I love it. I just think it is a it, it's a trip, it's a trip, and and we need more trips at the at the multiplex. I can't believe they got away with that. It feels like they got away with something, getting a movie like that into theaters. I remember watching it uh, opening night. It was actually a Thursday preview screening, and there were maybe a dozen people in the auditorium. But, uh, you know, myself and a friend walked out, like, giggling and, you know, just watching everybody else. You know, there was a mixture of shell shock and sort of disgust and then just kind of like people seemed more dazed than anything else. Which, uh, <laughs> Which I just love. <laughs> I, I saw it in an empty theater with just one other guy, uh, my friend, and we were just kind of like giggling through the whole movie. And that's like the best way to, I think, experience one of those weirdo movies that you know people aren't going to get anyway. But that's all. All right. Foy, any thoughts on Mother? I, 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 I was Again, one of those people who did because we covered I, I think, this before. Was it last year or the year before? It's 2017, right? Yeah. Yep. It, I, I will say this. It definitely was memorable. I just was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm convinced the only reason that movie even yeah, for, not only got made but got released because, well, Jennifer Lawrence, she's a huge star. They'll come in. Jodorowsky, well, he's, a, he's an award-winning filmmaker. This should be a great uh, – wait, what the f- – oh, God, what are we supposed to do with this? Do, do, we, <laughs> do we put it like release and roll it? No, no, because – the critics are not going to love that. Uh, uh, you know what? Let's just throw it out opening weekend and fuck it. See what happens. <laughs> I, I, I got to give them props, though, for putting, like, some strong marketing behind it. And marketing in a way that, like, you know, I I, I saw the TV spots. I saw the trailers. I, I, I scrutinized the posters. I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Is it Rosemary's Baby? Is it this? Is it that? And I that was part of the excitement of seeing it opening night for me. I was just kind of like, ooh, what are we in for? And twenty it was minutes good. into yeah. it, I was just kind of like, "What the fuck are we in for? What is what is And when the movie is over, you're still going, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> I also thought the because it was you know the the conversation over the weekend it came out was like, "Oh, audiences hated it." I think it it was one of the F cinema scores, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, and and I thought that I remember Paramount leaning into that after that weekend and and kind of like trying to salvage things by being like you know find out why audiences hate Mother and it's like that was clever I, I actually like, I wish that had been more fruitful for them because that was a it was great been like you know what it would have been like that movie would have been like 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 take somebody who's like a, a male mainstream actor like uh like like I don't know Chris Evans or Chris Hemsworth and like. They're going to star in a Jodorowsky movie. You're just going to dump that into theaters while selling it as some sort of a Western or something. And then everybody goes in like, what the hell are we watching? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I do love the the fact that they leaned into the marketing. Though. It reminds me, just of a second, I'll mention this. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but Lost Highway, after its opening weekend, it sort of shifted its marketing and it re-released its poster into... 
like theaters with some of the critics' reviews, and the one at the very top of the poster mm-hmm. read, uh, in quotation marks, I think it was two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert, two more great reasons to see David Lynch's Lost Highway. <laughs> and it's like, I love that. I think they even mentioned it on their show, and they were, you know, of course they didn't take it in stride. There was no good humor at all. They were both kind of pissy about it. But, uh... Do you remember The Last Boy Scout? No. I mean, I remember the movie. I don't... Yeah, well, The Last Boy Scout, when it came out, one of the critical blurs was, Roger Ebert says, guaranteed to be a hit. And he was pissed. <laughs> About that, because the actual quote <laughs> from his review is, "This movie is so ugly, violent, and vulgar. It's probably guaranteed to be a hit." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I think that's fair though. Like, if you're going to be a critic, if you're you're going to take a shot at somebody's like, you know, I we don't need full context there. You know, they can pick and choose. Um, all right, my number nine is uh, Resolution, the uh, Benson and Moorhead movie. Uh, I. Fuck. I, I, I remember reviewing it for Dread back in the day, and I fell in love with it the moment I saw it. I uh, I think it's one of the smartest, creepiest fucking movies I've seen in the last decade. Uh, and I've I've honestly loved every movie they've done since. I think Spring is great, and I think The Endless is fucking fantastic. To me, they don't top resolution, but honestly, I mean, anytime those guys make a movie, I'm there. I can't wait for their next one. Is it uh, Synchronic, I think? Um I like their stuff a lot too. I'm I'm a fan. I I actually had forgot for, for I might have put in Spring on here if I had remembered, and that was one that I forgot. Um, but I like all three of them a lot. Yeah, they're brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movies. Uh, Foy, did you? I don't know if we've ever talked about their stuff. Are you a fan or? I I like Spring, but I don't. I, I honest to God, I don't think I even remember this movie existing. You've never seen it. I've never even heard of resolution i somehow missed this one entirely oh boy please 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 pretty please the sugar on top yeah, Go watch resolution you know what i think it came out around the time cabin in the woods did and i think yes. um and and it's they're not they're not similar but they kind of are um and i and i i know which one i prefer uh and it's not cabin <laughs> in the woods um and um and i think i think maybe that is why it kind of got swept under the rug a little bit I don't know. Had terrible, terrible cover art too. Like I oh, remember, did. yeah. It. I mean, they kind of made it look like a sort of a torture porn movie on the cover. Whoever released it, like, uh, you know, it's just the arm chained to the wall, you know, and it's kind of like, the, uh, the, yeah. And it's like it gives you the completely wrong impression of the movie. There's another poster for it um, out there that's much better. But, um, but yeah. Oh my God, Foy, please, please watch. Actually. Don't just watch Resolution. If you haven't seen it yet, double feature Resolution and then The Endless. And uh, holy shit. Yeah. yeah great I great agree. stuff. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll have to keep making note of those. All right. Number eight. Foy. Well, you know what? Since Feeney brought it up, Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> well, Wait, it, it may... Yeah. I really like that movie. I think it's oh, a I did fun... too. I just thought you were yeah. taking a shot at Feeney. No, they're taking a shot at Feeney. It was actually going to be on my list, but since he already brought it up, I mean, I know he doesn't like it. We've had this one we definitely disagree on. I don't think think I've ever had this discussion with you before, Feeney, not even online back in the day. Why why do you dislike this movie? I'm I'm uh, sorry, Foy, why do you you like it first? I'm sorry, I need to cut in. Let's let Feeney have this one. I want to hear this. (laughs) I'm sorry. 
Um, it, you know, I love Buffy. I love, I love that, that, um, you know, I, it's just, it, uh, it's a movie that I, I just don't think works, accomplishes what it's trying to do. Like as a, as a, as a meta, as a meta kind of comedy, I just never found it that clever. Um, and it also just doesn't, you know, when, before it's truly a meta comedy, like when it's the, just the people in the cabin and the zombies stalking them i just don't think that works as a horror film like it's not particularly scary the the it's not particularly well like like those stock and slash moments aren't really well done so i just i just found it a movie where where like i i like the two guys i forget was it bradley whitford and richard jenkins yes yeah yeah i mean i i like them a lot they and i think they were really funny in the movie and and i if I wish the whole movie had been from their perspective. I probably really would have liked it. Um, I just, I just didn't care for it, you know? And, and um, the, the act three with the system purge button, I just thought, you know, if you're going to be a movie that purports to be smarter and funnier than all the movies that uh, have come before you, then, then you got to be a little smarter and funnier than having a just lazy system purge button in the middle of a hallway that's going to let every monster on the planet out of their cages. You can't have it both ways, geniuses. Um, and and then it was just the 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 uh, film Twitter as film Twitter does was just insufferable about this film. I, I, I remember on Twitter back then. I remember like a week where every every um, you know every film blogger wrote a professorial sort of explanation of of um why why you need to understand that that see we the audience are really the villains of the cabin in the woods and i was just like yeah we got it we got it thank you thank you thank you for explaining it to us dullards you know you fucking basement dwelling bloggers but um sorry that's uh... my, my, my favorite thing were the ones where they were like let me explain to you every reference to other horror movies in the movie and it's like you don't need to do that it's kind of obvious <laughs> but you know you know the movie it's i don't i you know it's it's one of those things like i don't want to knock the guys that made the movie like i i respect drew goddard um like i said i mean i loved buffy so much um and it reminded me of a buffy episode you know um but it, but i just didn't feel like it it, it survived the the tr- transition to big screen um you know, in the way that a lot of people do. It just, it was a movie that just did not work for me at all. Can I ask, I just, from what what you said just there, I, uh, I get the feeling, tell me if I'm wrong, that you felt like the movie was kind of looking down its nose at the genre. To me, it felt like it was more of a celebration. And I I don't know. Am I wrong about that? Is that what you kind of got from the movie or what you were feeling from it? Or, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I just think like, you know, I didn't really think it was, um, you know, taking the piss out of the genre. I mean, it not. I didn't think it was thumbing its nose at the genre, but okay. maybe that was just poor phrasing. But I, I just thought, like, you know, if you're going to be, you know, the intelligent statement on the genre, then you can't be dumb at the same time. Like, I, you know, it's just, I, it, it just, it was, it just didn't. It, I felt there was that disconnect there that just didn't didn't work for me. And then, and then, like, like I said, like, I walked out of the movie feeling kind of like, eh, I don't see it. And then the the sort of wave of like Twitter castigation was was really like I felt like the the Seinfeld episode where Elaine hated the English patient. Yeah, 
and, and, <laughs> you know, and you weren't allowed to hate the English patient. Like that, that, that was what I felt like. Yeah, in the, well, in, the, the, in the, Elaine's the, defense, the English patient is fucking terrible. <laughs> well, the other problem, the other problem is that, like, I, if I remember correctly, I think it kind of underperformed opening weekend, and it also got a terrible cinema score. So all of a sudden, everybody who loved it felt compelled to like not just rush to its defense, but brandish swords and attack anyone who didn't like it. Which is also yeah. basically a standard film Twitter thing now. Glad I wasn't around for that. Yeah. But don't worry, you've been around for all the other good stuff. Yeah. Twitter's, Twitter's, Twitter's done me wrong this year. I mean, hell, look look at everybody now being told if you didn't like the new Black Christmas, here's why, you woman-hating asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Although, yeah, but okay, but but in in, but, in fairness too, there are a lot of women hating assholes coming out of the woodwork being pissed about that movie yeah, too. But, yes, but but now suddenly you're not allowed to say you didn't like something. Like, there's a lot of people who genuinely did not like the Last Jedi, and it wasn't because they wanted because they you know hated you know women, or they it wasn't because they were like insane Star Wars fans who believes it should only cater to them. They didn't go on social media and stalk the actresses or harass Ryan Johnson. It's just like they just didn't like the movie, but you're not allowed to say that now because you get lumped in with the lunatic fringe or the alt-right psychopath or whatever. It's like I say anyway. we, I say we move on because this is like a set this this conversation could take up the whole night. It could. Yeah. It could for a fact. Yeah, yeah. It's almost yeah, it's almost its own show. So, you know, yeah, I'll just say this. Uh, Cabin of the Woods, it, it worked for me. I, I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was clever. I thought it was funny. And my only complaint is it would have been better with a Marban. I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of it, too. I just I I will had say, a fucking I, blast with that film. I will say I do love the scene, and I do giggle about it sometimes when um, – when they're they're trying when they're watching the like the Japanese schoolgirls right <laughs> off the coast, <laughs> and he's just like fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> well, you know, the movie also has a very strong anti-marijuana message because at the end of the movie, it's basically a dumbass stoner just caused the entire end of the world. <laughs> just just say no, people. All right, Feeny. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with my next, my other controversial opinion. Did this, 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 well, actually, I have a few on here, I think. But um, I'm going to go with Rob Zombie's The Lords of Salem, wow. which I um, I just revisited on Halloween. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. I, I think it's, in a lot of ways, I think it's his best picture. I think he, um, I think he was really trying to, to break the mold a little bit from what he had done in the past and, and has done since um, it's less vulgar. It's a little more, it's a little more subtle um, until it's not, but, um, but in it, in it's definitely more of a slow burn than we've ever seen him attempt before or after that. And I think it's a beautiful movie. I think it's a, I think it looks gorgeous. I think Sherry moon who, you know, he gets a lot of flack for working with um, all the time, but I think she's gotten, so much better as a performer over the years. And, and I think in that movie, especially she's really great. She's great in three from hell as well. Um, 31 even, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I love the Lords of Salem. It's, it, it recalls like the kind of Jean Roland kind of like seventies Euro art house horror movies that I kind of love anyway. Um, and I think that's, that's really what his influence 
kind of stems from with that picture. But it's a movie that I think, you know, I understand why people don't like it. Um, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I remember seeing it in the theater with my wife, who I think spent more time looking at the side of my face than she did the movie screen because she <laughs> just couldn't believe I had dragged her to see it. But um, but I love it. I think it's I think it's an awesome movie. And um, I was so happy when I rewatched it and it kind of confirmed that for me. I think it's it's a really underappreciated movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I, to me, I, I, the backstory on the making of the movie, I think I read somewhere that a, a cast member, was it Richard Lynch, died halfway through the making of the film, and as a result, the, uh, all the flashback stuff had to be sort of jettisoned, you know, I mean, we only get a few clips here and there, when in fact it was meant to be a much larger portion of the movie, like, it was going to be a much more, like, uh, you know, back and forth between past and present, I think, and, uh, you know, there's a novelization that Zombie wrote with uh, Brian Evanson uh, that, you know, sort of fills all of that stuff out, and uh, lets us know what in the hell is happening at the end of the movie, uh, when the movie just, you know, kind of goes, you know, a little music video-y, in a way, but, um, I, I think there's so much fucking interesting stuff in there, and a lot of great filmmaking, and, I, I, I can't dismiss even a single one of Zombies movies because there's always something in each one of them that I think is really interesting. And I, I, I think his style belongs solely to him. You know, I mean, he, has, he, he, has an author, he has an authorial stamp for sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And Lords it, of Salem to me is it, not it, 100%. Oh, sorry, good. I was, I was just going to say, he, I think he actually, he's a very good visual director. Yes. I, it's just un- most of the time when he writes a script it's just like all right how many sex and fucks can i throw in here <laughs> i yeah. how many sex jokes vulgar references like it's like guys like come on and and that's i i have seen uh, lords of salem it's it's not one of my favorites but it's like i like the fact that he was trying to do something different it wasn't 31 or the halloween movies it had a, and it had a, it had a it was a the pacing was a little slow for me at times but other than that, I thought like, yeah, like, okay, that's zombie doing something different that I can appreciate. Yeah. And, and overall, I, I, I really dig it. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like the failure of it, uh, financial failure of it. And, and I guess the critical one too, I, I, I theorize like, and I don't know, I'd love to kind of, you know, one day I'd love to sit with Rob zombie and pick his brain on this stuff. But I kind of feel like it, it maybe made him a little self-conscious because I think like, you know, he kind of went right back to, you know, a more fan service kind of thing with 31 where he kind of was like, I'm going to play right to my audience here. Um, but I can't help but wonder like what, what might've been had the Lords of Salem been received a little better. Yeah. I, he might still be working with, it was Blumhouse that gave him the million dollars to make that. Right. And, uh, I don't know. Imagine if we got a Rob Zombie movie every year where he had that backing instead of having to scrounge for the money himself or revisit past glories like with three from hell, like maybe, Maybe we would have gotten his fucked up hockey movie. Maybe we would have gotten his Groucho Marx movie. Maybe we would have gotten his, uh, you know, crazy wrestling movie. You know, I want to see all of that shit. But instead, it's like, you know, he's he's stuck in that box right now. And he's he's just he's got to play to it if he wants to keep making movies. And that, you know, but I do love I love Lords of Salem, if, if for no other reason than for the fact that he was able to break out of that a little bit. And he was able to do something different and show that he was capable of more than you know, well, what the rest of his filmography would suggest. I just, um, part of me thinks that if he had gotten to sort of harness his original vision and if it hadn't been compromised by circumstance, then we might've gotten something really, really fantastic out of him. But, uh, as it stands, I, I, I really dig it. 
We never got his blobless blob remake. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't he supposed to remake Chud? We never got that. You know, and I think actually Rob Zombie Chud, I think that's a movie that he could do. I feel like that's a movie that 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 he, he that fits his aesthetic. That would be visually, yeah. that would be amazing. I, I think one of the, the biggest mistakes was the fact that he did Halloween. It's like, of all the horror movies to remake, it's like, he doesn't fit that aesthetic. It's like, if you said, Rob Zombie's doing a remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's perfect. I, I also... Rob, it, Zombie's, yeah, yeah. Rob Zombie's doing Friday the 13th. Yeah, that makes sense. Rob Zombie's doing Nightmare on Elm Street. And you're like, eh, you know what? I, he's got the visual style. He might be able to pull out. Yeah. Rob Zombie's remaking Halloween. Nope. I, th- I love I Halloween, think- too. In Rob Zombie's defense, I mean, because it's it, what interests me about that <laughs> is like I don't think there was any way to win that movie because I I I feel I feel like having to retrace Carpenter steps. I don't think that that probably wasn't his decision. You know what I mean? And and like well, I, I, I think I, I think we all know at this point the studio just made his life hell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just seems like that. You know, it seems like that movie was what it, it's what it is, and I think it's it's probably two visions. You know, well, his, his, his Halloween movie was basically supposed to be the, a retelling of Carpenter's film, but from the point of view of Michael Myers, actually kind of being a sad victim, and here's how he became what he is. And then, of course, the studio came in like, "Nah, you got to reshoot this day, make it more Rob." So then you have like you know Michael Myers smashing boards with a two by four, smashing uh, smashing a room apart with a two by four while going psychopathic berserk, and it's just like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I do love right. the director's cut, uh, uh, somewhat, but I love Halloween too. So yeah, anyway, I admit that freely. <clears throat> well, uh, I mean it's it's interesting. I, I I don't I don't it's it's not one of my favorites, but I, I think that you can't deny that like at least he was going for something there. There was a there was a, a point behind it, a purpose behind it, and um you know I mean that you can't for, it either works for you or doesn't, but I mean you can't deny that. All right, my number eight. Uh, I've talked about this movie before on this podcast uh, twice actually, uh, if we count the. the uh, it's appearance on my 2017 top 10, but uh, it still holds up for me. Feeny, don't throw anything at me here. Um, get out. I, uh, I, hey, I, I throw something at you. I remember you giving me a little bit of hell for it being on my top 10 in 2017. A little bit. There was, there yeah, was, I, I, there was a I, smidge no. of hell thrown my, thrown my way. It wasn't a smidge of hell. All I said was like, it was a movie that people That's were so cool of hell. People were falling all over themselves to, to, proclaim it this transcendent thing and it's like i think it's an interesting movie i think it it definitely um i think it had some great moments in it but it was just wasn't something that that i was completely enamored with i thought us was way better and that that's all i'll say about it it was get get out was a high-end larry cohen movie Uh, what's wrong with that like that's that sounds fantastic to me nothing but nothing no nothing but nobody ever gave larry cohen oscars (laughs) <laughs> they should have no it's fine uh, like that's the thing it's like i have no ill will towards that movie i just like it was a movie that like i walked out of with a friend of mine going yeah it was pretty good and like and the, my opinion never really changed like i enjoyed it um i thought it was you know i thought it was interesting but yeah it just didn't uh it didn't knock my socks off 
That's yeah, the same thing. I had the same thing with Feeney. Where it's like, yeah, that was a pretty good movie, but it's then like, wait, it's a it's a modern masterpiece. Uh, oh, okay, you say so. I did. I I, I love it. I still love. It. You know what? Okay, instead of me going on again for the third time on this podcast about why I love Get Out, and if we're not doing a top ten of twenty nineteen, can we take maybe two minutes to talk about us? Yeah. Okay. What about us? So, <laughs> Feeney, you said that you uh, you like uh, us more than Get Out. I do not, but I will say this about us: I I, I adore Get Out. I love Get Out. I, I I fucking love that movie. It's on my top ten list of the decade. Right? Um, I saw it in theaters twice, and I was good. And of course, I picked up the Blu-ray, and I eventually revisited it. Right? Us. I did not love Straight Away. I, I love things about it, but I saw that fucking movie in theaters four times, and I, I liked it a little more every time I watched it, to the point where when I picked up the Blu-ray, I was giddy to race back and pop it in the player and watch it again just to see if I liked it even that much more. And I did. I still don't like it as much as Get Out, but... It is a movie that has, like, so many layers and so many, like, uh, there's so much embedded within that film that you can pull out on subsequent viewings that I I can't completely discount the movie. The first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, it's fine. I, I, I does some wonky stuff with its mythology at the end of it that I don't care for. But otherwise, it was creepy. It was funny. It was enjoyable. That's, you know, I'm good. And with every follow-up viewing, I'm just kind of like, oh, that's really neat. Oh, I didn't even notice that before. Oh, he's doing something interesting there. You know, I... To the point where I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I, I love him as a filmmaker, man. Like, I, I I wish we got a movie from him every year. I, I, I like Us a lot because it's, um, it's, I mean, it's massively ambitious. And it. I love movies where, and I think why I respond to it more than Get Out is Get Out there's really no mistaking what the what the intent behind get out is what he's saying what the message is it's like no 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 we get it you know and that's fine i'm not i'm not saying that that's a bad thing necessarily but what i responded to about us more is the further along it got and especially after it was over and you know turning it over in my head and in the heads of my friends as we talked about it there were different interpretations of it and there were there were there were kind of there was a lot of room to kind of you know crack a few beers and kind of delve into it. And I just I tend to just kind of relish that that a little more narratively. Maybe it's a little bit clunkier, especially you know there's that exposition dump at the end that I, you know it is kind of a it is kind of a a snag for me a little bit. But um but I just think it's a it's a huge movie that takes big swings and uh and I, I like talking about it. I like delving into it and. And I like hearing what people make of it because I've found some people that have some interesting things to say about it that I would never have thought on my own. Um, so I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's cool that way. And I think it's just a really fun and entertaining movie. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, yeah, the thing with the okay. ending is... I just, threw an timer. <laughs> that wasn't me. Uh, that's my that's notifications on my laptop. I haven't figured I out how to wow. use it yet. Wow, Feeney just dinged himself. He's like, "Nope, I'm going on." <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I, I really dig us. I, uh, I, but I agree with you about the end. Is this the only movie where the big exposition dump that comes at the climax actually muddies things a bit rather than clarifies? Like, I, I if yeah. you take that scene out, I honestly. If if she had just descended into that underground, and you know, if we'd gone right into the action and that struggle. 
it would have been like Clive Barker to me. It would have been Midnight Meat Train. You know what? They live down there. Just, yeah. you know, get on with it. It's fine. You don't need to know why. You don't need to know the house. But then when she explains just enough of it, it's like, well, okay, now I have to consider the fucking mechanics of this world. And now it doesn't make sense. You know, I, I just, I wish you could cut that moment from the movie. I, I actually really enjoyed the movie up until like about the last 10 or 15 minutes. And then it just completely lost me. I just, I, I didn't like, like this was one case where it's like, you have something that's almost impossible to explain. And yet you're going to try really, really hard to do so. <laughs> and, and also I, the, the, the final twist with her, it's like, I didn't really buy that at all. I love that. I, I, Mike, and I was just like, wait, wait, you, you completely forgot about all this? <laughs> no, God, no. I don't think she did at all. My, my read really? is that she, <laughs> no, I, and maybe that's something I picked up on subsequent viewing, but no, I, I, she is a hundred percent aware the entire time. Uh, if she is resisting going back to that place for a reason. And I don't think it's any vague memories. I think she knows who she is the entire time. I think so too. I mean, it, but that calls into question, like, well, maybe you'd put your foot down a little bit harder, but, um, yeah. maybe, but, maybe but, you, maybe you would have reacted to some things that happened a little bit differently. But, but then yeah. like, but if you're the, God, I don't know how to put this. You know, if you're the vampire, you're not going to mind going out at night, you know, like she, she doesn't necessarily want to go back home, but is she really afraid of anything that's there, like really, you know, I I think we're meant to take it that way the first time around because we think she is the other girl having grown up, and so it makes sense that she would be afraid. When you watch it on a follow up, it's like no, it's more trepidation. She doesn't want to go back home. She doesn't want to be anywhere near that place. But if they push hard enough, hey, what's it matter? Because you know, why would she be afraid of that place? Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I I, I think it's fine. I mean, I I have no real issue with that part of it. But we should uh, we should keep going. We should. And for the record, I, I have yet to, yet to be able to get any producers to uh, produce my movie Get Her Out, <laughs> which is the reverse Get Out in which African Americans take over the minds and bodies of white rednecks in order to finally conquer the world of NASCAR. <laughs> uh, I would watch it. Minute, really. <laughs> All right, Foy, your number. What the hell are we on? Seven. Uh, you know what? Seven. Okay. How about uh, one of the best horror comedies of the past decade? Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, nice. If you've never seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil, it's the whole thing you've, see, you've seen a million times before. A bunch of college students go into the woods, and there's two crazy rednecks. Except the catch is the two crazy rednecks are just two nice, bumbling, idiotic rednecks trying to go on a vacation, and the college kids are a bunch of lunatics. Who don't who mis- misinterpret something that happens and thinks that they're trying to kill them? So the whole movie is the college kids trying to murder Tucker and Dale, and en- ends up keep getting themselves killed in the process. <laughs> to which Tucker and Dale are just like, "Oh my God, it's a suicide cult." These people. <laughs> there's that great scene where the guy, one of the college kids, looks like sneaks up behind one of them while he's. Uh, putting wood in the wood chipper and he dives at him and right as he steps out of the way goes right into the wood chipper kills himself <laughs> it's just like it's a suicide cult <laughs> so yeah it's just it, it's just a really funny movie it actually and it also has it's surprisingly sweet natured there's actually a little bit of a romance between uh 
uh, uh, I think it's Tucker. I, I'm a rumor, forgetting which one's which at the moment. But with the college girl. Yeah, the Tyler Levine character, and was it Katrina Bowden yeah. who was in that? From yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah a very yeah. yeah, a very likely romance, but still, it's like it was very nice and sweet natured, which kind hey, of. Why awesome. haven't we gotten three sequels already? That's the only thing. Like I, uh, they it makes no sense. About it. Yeah, they keep talking about it, but it never happens. Just like behind the mask, why? Why can I? We get these amazing horror comedies, and then we don't get any follow-ups to them whatsoever. Even though you know, I, they're kind of set for except Zombieland. Said, yeah, I've always said the one problem with Tucker and Dale versus Evil is. It's kind of a really bad title. It doesn't yeah, yeah. really mean anything. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Well, not really. Yeah, I, I agree. All so, right. Feeny? Yeah. Uh, Short and pitch. Uh, I'm going to go with Mandy, um, oh, which nice. is a, a movie that uh, I still love. I love it even more, actually, since I think it was on my list last year. Um, and it's back, baby. And it's it's one that, uh, yeah, I just, I love that movie. I mean, it's kind of fresh, so I feel like we don't need to deep dive into it. But um, but it's a new, it's very much a new favorite movie for me. And I went back and forth between that and Revenge, but I remember that, Jinx, you gave me a little bit of hell last year for Revenge not being genre enough. So I was really? like, fine. Yes. So I, I was like, revenge. fine. Uh, I, well, I love it. I mean, th- it, if I had my way, I mean, that would probably be, I'd probably have that on here instead, but because it, it's not as horror centric. So uh, I'm fine with Mandy too, because I, I friggin' love Mandy. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's kind of new. So I feel like, it, I feel like a lot of everything's kind of been said about it. And recently it's fair. I love it too. All right. Oh, are we on the me? Foy? Mandy? Mandy? Foy? Oh, that's you. Okay. Number Never seven. <laughs> uh, Evil Dead. Uh, I, I, I almost don't even think of this movie as a remake. And I know it's been thought of as kind of a sidequel even, you know, but. It totally is. I mean, it's, it is. I mean, yeah, and everyone's like, you know, I, you know, maybe, maybe me and Ash, there can be a crossover. I don't care, you know, it'd be neat, but I, I get the feeling that Bruce Campbell is done forever, um, you know, with that character. And honestly, after the last season of um, uh, the TV show, I'm, I'm kind of good with the ending. I feel like that was a definitive ending to a story. Uh, have you guys seen? I, well, I, just the thought, well, I, just, I, I just thought it was kind of interesting that the the ending of Ash versus Evil Dead. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! No, no, oh. we're not going there. I haven't seen season three yet. How the hell have you not seen it yet? I have two kids. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sorry. Well, in that case, I'll just say it was delightful. Good. I'm glad because it it's it I, I own it and I'm I'm saving it for a, like a, a night or two and I can just go through the whole thing and I I'm hoping on the, over the holiday I can do that so all right but I mean even you know remake sidequel sequel whatever the hell it is I mean even though there's a location and you know it hits some of the same beats as the original movie to me it really feels like its own thing and it's just I it's so incredibly intense and gory and insane, but there's still a lot of heart there. You know, we, we give a damn about the characters. They don't feel like cardboard cutouts. And there are all these beautiful little moments that make us care before, you know, the horrible things happen. And I, I just, I remember watching this movie after hours of my theater when it came out and it just, it was such a complete nerve shredder by the end of it. Uh, I just, I mean, my God, I mean, 
I, I, it almost felt like watching the bloodiest movie I'd ever seen in a mainstream movie, like on a massive theater screen, you know? And then when it felt like it couldn't get any bloodier, it just started raining blood. You know, I, I, it, it blew my mind watching that movie. And even though, you know, I, as much as I like Don't Breathe, and I even kind of like his Girl with the Dragon Tattoo sequel, you know, to me, Fede Alvarez, he hasn't topped this film yet. And I kind of wish he'd get the opportunity to make a sequel because I would love to see him play in that world a little more. I don't dislike it, but I have no strong opinion of it. It was like, I watched it. Okay. Fair enough. Fe- Wait, Feeney, what do you think of Evil Dead remake? Or sequel or sequel or whatever the hell it is. Uh, I I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember liking it and uh, I own it. I haven't revisited it in uh, in forever. Rock on number six, boy. Well, here's a movie that I'm pretty certain will not show up on most lists because you ever like see a movie where it's like you go into it with no real expectations and you're just like completely just you just have a great time watching it. It somehow it just hits all the right notes for you. And then afterwards, you're like, I don't understand exactly why. Especially because it's a sequel, and I didn't even like the first version. Okay. What is it? It's the Happy birthday to you, right? Oh, sorry. Fuck. <laughs> that sound you heard was Feeney coming through the phone to grab <laughs> you by the... <laughs> no, I'm Wait, sorry. I, I didn't mean to step over What your was it for? The Collection. Oh, I, I, yeah, I would agree with you. The movie's I, I, it's like... I don't, yeah, it's like I I didn't really like it. the first collector. I mean, it was effective, but it was just I just found it to be just a really unpleasant movie. <laughs> which I like, like I love the first one too. Yeah, and also it, it also had something that I I just I couldn't accept when like you know at the end of the first film the collector got impaled with a chandelier of steak knives and somehow was perfectly fine in the next scene. <laughs> But the collection is just like it's just the first of all, it's only like like seventy four minutes long, and it, and and you realize that like you know a lot of horror movies these days would benefit if they were only seventy five minutes long, <laughs> because there's there's really no fat in this movie. It's just okay, hey, uh, this girl has been well. First of all, it begins with that rave night, the rave nightclub scene where I, I would love to know how he set that up because you know. <laughs> How did you how did you set up the giant like, you know, the the 20 the foot lawnmower blades and the compressor that smashes people in the so, elevator? So I think so I think I know I, I, I'm just going to throw this out here. I don't know if you guys remember the 90s, but uh, Scream. Does anyone remember after the first two Scream movies, the idea that was floated out there about a third killer the entire time? Does anybody remember that? Message boards back in the day, horrormovies.com, anything like that, where people were just like, I think there's a third killer in Scream, and here's why. You know, anybody remember that? I think I do. I, I never I never could see it in that particular movie. In The Collector, I, I think there are two collectors. I, I think the dude in the first one is so markedly different physically from the dude in the second. I mean, he's kind of well, smaller, and he's a little scrawny, and he moves kind of like he's well, an older dude, and he has a bald head. And then immediately after the first movie you have in the second movie, you have this big, brawny, like beefy dude with a full head of hair who's like younger. And I honestly think that that's the answer to... The ending to the second movie going into the third, which they're apparently making. How how is that guy going to escape that predicament? I think it's because he has a partner. Well, I, and I, well, I well the second movie, it's like the the first movie. Yeah, it's like 
he was just building these traps. There's like, oh, there's fish hooks hanging from ropes, and there's all the yeah. Some of the stuff was like you could see somebody building these booby traps. And in the second movie, he he's just like, well, he, one one reason why he's probably skinnier is because he lost so much weight building this entire booby trapped hideout mansion filled with his <laughs> elaborate taxidermy that a James Bond villain would have a hard time coming up with. <laughs> in this place that like out of I just in the middle of nowhere that apparently no one ever goes in there and notices there's an elaborate museum it's like this is like the the dr five's palatial estate that this man's living in somewhere right in the middle of the city so the it's basically like it's it's almost like if a slasher movie was mixed with aliens it's a bunch of gun-toting uh like like i'm not sure what exactly they are they're just hired guns just to help save this girl and they force us, you know, the, the one surviving victim from the previous film to go in there. And it's just all of these really just messed up booby traps, all of these, you know, just. And then you have this guy who's going around like a looks like a psycho, psychopathic luchador with glowing eyes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an awesome out. movie. It's, it's so. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's only 74 minutes and it's like it's perfect. It's lean, it's mean, it gets in and gets out. It doesn't waste a lot of time. It constantly moves. There's always something happening. And it, and it also, it's something that's underrated, it has a really good score. I think the score for that movie is actually really good. And, you know, it's something you also rarely see where, like, at the end of the movie, like, the good guy truly gets to come up and so the killer. It's not your typical, oh, we killed the killer and then we get away, but he comes back. It's like, yeah, I, I, if they make a third movie, I'm kind of curious to see where they go with that because the end of the last movie, it seemed like, nah, there's probably not going to be any more collecting. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, I love the climax, too. Like, you were talking about the score, like the the weirdly sort of nine-inch nails-tinged music that plays during the, uh, you know, the, the Arkin character as he's surrounded by flames and then the sort of solution she has to that in order to free him. I, that's such a great fucking sequence. It's such a damned well-made movie, so... I want to go and read this. I just, I just, I just remember being in the theater, and there weren't many people in it. But when the when the collector, when he was when Arkin was fighting with him, and the collector came back with the knife, it went right through his mouth, open mouth cheeks, and people were just mortified, like, "Oh my god!" It's a great flick. I can't wait for the third. Uh, Feeney, what's your number uh, number six? My sixth is uh, Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria. Uh, another another really kind of new one, but um, another one that I'm kind of obsessed with. And uh, yeah, just I don't know. I, on a rewatch, I love the novelistic kind of approach to it. I just I love blowing the blowing that story up um, in a way that, you know, it's it's kind of like reading reading a, a really good novel. It's uh, it's got some, you know, you get you get you get a real good sense of time and place. Um, you know, to, to kind of have this sprawling story take place in and, uh, oh, she gives it a really great sense of authenticity and kind of one of those like, Oh, it's about then, but it's kind of about now too. Um, yeah. I mean, really great movie with some really twisted stuff in it that I, that has, I mean, that maniac probably my, are my two favorite remakes of the last like 20 years. So, um, I'll be here for Suspiria. Rock on. Uh, Foy, do you have anything to say about Suspiria? <clears throat> I haven't seen it. I, um, See it, God damn it. Um, oh. Okay, so I, 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 
awesome. It's been a year. <laughs> I haven't seen it. And um, it's been a year since our last show, and um, I bought the Blu-ray the day that it came out. And Oh, it's still it in... wrapped, isn't it? No, I, I, I opened it that night, and I popped it in the player, and I was I, I had had a few drinks. and uh... Hello? <laughs> Boy, you there? Not Hi. here. It seemed like everybody else went away. No, we're no, here. No, we're here. No, I had a few drinks, and um, uh, I got about 20 minutes into the movie and absolutely loved it. And then I got too sloshed to continue, and um, <laughs> I have not seen it. I have not. This is actually, this conversation is reminding me that I need to finally watch that damn movie. Um, I feel like a failure. Uh, oh, you haven't actually seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. I know. I'm sorry. I, I just, I hate myself. <clears throat> no, I haven't seen it. I really want to. Um I will, you know what? I, I will make myself this promise. By this time, the time this episode goes up, I will have seen the Suspiria remake. I will okay. watch the damn thing this, this week. So, All right, my number six. Uh, a movie that gets far, far too little love, I think. Uh, and it seems like it's all but forgotten. Uh, I absolutely adore Jim Mickle's Stakeland. Uh, I like it. I, I think it's yeah, one of the best damn vampire movies ever. I think it's one of the best movies of the last decade, obviously, because I'm putting it on here. I I just adore it. I love its tone. I love its characters, the performances. I I, I love its really mean-spirited look at our world, uh, you know, that was kind of a few years ahead of its time, I think. And I, I, I love the mythology that they set forward. And um, I don't know. We've gotten a sequel since, and it's pretty good. And, you know, Mikkel has made a lot of great stuff since. But to me, there's no topping this film for me when it comes to uh, – his and, uh, you know, writer, uh, actor Nick Dimitri's work. I think it's just fucking excellent. Did he direct the sequel, too, or no? No, no. Uh, Dimitri wrote it. Uh, Mikkel produced it. But uh, a pair of directors, I forget what their names are, uh, they, they directed. And they did, a, they did a good job. There was just, there was something about, I... I, I I thought it was a really interesting uh, uh, setup for a sequel. Uh, Dimitri is great in it. Uh, where he takes the characters uh, is really, really interesting. It's just um, there's something missing there that just keeps it from taking flight in the way that the first movie does. But it's still, if you like the first movie, the second is it's not, you know, it's not a failure. It's totally worth seeking out and watching. So I did like it. I'll seek it out. I just always love the scene in Stakeland where they just started raining the vampires down from the helicopter. It's <laughs> a grim scene. Like, um, yeah, God I, God, I love that movie. I want to go home and watch it right now. Um, all right, number five, Foy. All right, well, I know my next movie is not going to be on anybody's list because I don't think it's ever been released anywhere outside of Japan. That's Cheater. Okay. Well, it te- well, it's, well, hey, it's got a notable director. If I ever figure out how to pronounce his uh, Takeshi Mike or Takeshi Mike, whatever the hell it is, I think it's, it's called. Yeah, because I, I always hear it pronounced both ways, and it's like, can someone please just decide on a pronunciation? It's a 2012 Japanese slasher flick called Lesson of the Evil, and it Mike made a, a slasher movie. Yes, and that and it's great. But the the only real problem with it is, that, you know, like like you could say about a lot of movies from Japan or Korea, it's probably about ten to fifteen minutes too long. It could 
could have been tightened up a little bit. But it's a it's a slasher movie. It's basically about a psychopathic school teacher. He's handsome. He's brilliant, and he's completely insane. And the reason it's probably never been released is because the movie's finale is basically a school massacre with him going around mostly with a, a gun and just mowing down students who were staying after hours and are now locked down inside the school while they're trying to set up for the Halloween party. Because in case you're aware, Halloween is actually, it turns out Halloween really is a hugely popular uh, holiday now in Japan. But he's he's going around and he's just like he's at the end. The whole third act of the movie is just really it's weird because it's like at times it's intense and at other times it kind of has a little bit of that like battle royal adrenaline rush going on where he's going around hunting these students and some of them are trying to fight back and some of them are completely helpless. And there's some and there's one scene in particular where he's like got like a bunch of them just like cornered in this one area in a stairwell and you see this shot where you can't actually see what's happening you just kind of see like the top of his head because they're like cowering and he's pulling the trigger and it's just like Mikay's just got like geysers of blood shooting at the ceiling and I'm like Jesus Christ <laughs> I can't believe the guy who made audition would make something so fucked up <laughs> <laughs> I need to seek this out it's called uh, what was the title again Lesson of the Evil. It's actually, it, I mean, and, and then there's there's then there's some weird moments where it almost goes into Cronenberg territory, because you at times you see kind of the world from the the teacher's crazy you know point of view, and he's holding the gun that he's the rifle he's going to be you know, the shotgun he's going to be using for his massacre, and it's completely turned into this weird looking video drone esque body horror thing that's talking to him and giving him advice. <laughs> on what he needs to do and then like that never happens again it's like uh, okay <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a really it's a really enjoyably fucked up movie okay uh Feeney, you're number five i'm gonna go pretty basic on this one and also i'm on i think i'm on number four because i i kind of tossed maniac off already um but uh i'm gonna go kind of kind of mainstream on this one and i'm gonna throw down a quiet place um really love it love it love nice. it i just i think it's it's one of the most well-directed well-built just just really kind of just engines of 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 kind of you know i don't know i hate to call it a thrill ride because i hate that but but it really is i mean it just it, you know you throw that in and it just rips for 80 minutes it's just i, I just think it's fantastic yeah it, and it's another movie that's like hey look it doesn't have to be two hours <laughs> no no, I mean less is more. I'm a little concerned about the sequel because I, I I love I love the less is more approach of it, and I and I, I the one thing I don't need is like a, a real like elucidation of what these creatures are. I mean I, I'm not that interested in that. It could work. I mean it could be cool. I mean it, it, it's I'll see it, you know, and I, I'm hoping for the best, but I just feel it, like it, yeah, it, that, I, I would I would have been like an honorable mention on my list. It was very close to being on it. But my, my, my biggest concern with this sequel is just like, it seems like a premise that works once. Because mm -hmm. I mean, the whole idea of the movie is just like, you know, as little dialogue and sound as possible. And it's like, you're, you're just going to be doing the same thing over again, unless they got something really clever. Right. Rock on. All right. Uh, I, I liked it. 
I, I really enjoyed it. I uh, I didn't love it. I, I wish I had. Um, I still think the... I think we talked about this uh, last year, but uh, I don't know. The final beat of the movie just kind of... It doesn't work for me, you know? Uh, and I'm wondering if the sequel is going to be just more of that, you know? If they're Are you talking about like, literally like the, the shotgun pump? Yeah. It just... it It's... To me, I... I, I don't, I don't then, like that. That's that's the one second in the movie that I don't like. Yeah, it just everyone walked out like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Like, oh, you think there'll be a sequel? Will there be? You know, will, it just I, I I don't know. That wasn't what the movie was to me. You know, and uh, it felt like it betrayed its tone in the final two seconds. But when the movie, you know, it's only a couple of seconds. But when that's what you're left with, you know, when that's what the movie leaves off on, I I don't know. It just kind of. Yeah, and I think like I think I mean I if I if I were to sit in Krasinski's head for a second, like I and I don't know, but I think the idea of it was like just to show that like you know I, I think it was intended to be a character beat, um, like a like I'm I'm now harder and like we're gonna you know my family's gonna be just fine, like we've you know this we've survived this trial by fire. I think how it plays though is very much a fuck them we're gonna take the fight to them and i think because i think and i don't think that's what the intent was but i think that's how it reads and i i don't know i would have done that a different way yeah and it's just i you know i i think i am more concerned about the sequel simply because you know i i watched uh black christmas you know this past weekend and they had the teaser and the teaser is uh you know they're all on that path you know, they're barefoot and they're walking and, you know, they, they move off the path and they're, you know, they're all carrying like backpacks and whatnot. I'm like, why, why are you traveling? Why, why are you walking around the way you did in the first movie before you knew exactly what the aliens weaknesses are? You know, like, I just, I don't know. Is it the same family? Is it like, is it? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen the teaser yet. Yeah. So I don't know. My, uh, my number five is, uh, the neon demon. Ah, I almost put that on my list. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, I think it's I gorgeous. Think it's I, I think it's compelling. I think it's weirdly just friggin' bewitching and infuriating and heartbreaking. And uh, I just, I, I, I love all the performances. I think visually it's just stunning. I, I mean, that utterly batshit ending, you know, all of it, you know, it, it feels like it's an oft-told tale told very, very well in a completely, you know, new and bizarre way. And there's so many moments in it that I've never seen in a horror film before. And, uh, you know, the highest praise I can give it is that I loved it so much. I gave only God forgives another shot and wound up liking it. Uh, <laughs> I love so that too. So. I did not. When I first saw it, I reviewed it for dread and I bashed the shit out of it. And I think, uh, uh, buzz and Andrew cash gave me shit on the site for it. Uh, <laughs> But, um, uh, and understandably so, like now, now I agree with him. Buzz gave somebody shit about something? The hell you say? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, uh, I love Drive. I hated Only God Forgives, and I love the Neon Demon so much I gave Only God Forgives another shot, and holy shit, it's great too. So, uh, yeah, that's my number five. And... Foy? Yeah, just, just to go for a second with the Neon Demon... Uh, do you guys ever read the box office report on Deadline.com? Never. Uh, okay. Well, the, the, don't don't the box office reports like just kind of get a basic idea of what's going on. The comment section is where the real excitement is. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you think Twitter is full of lunatics, you should see this. Especially in the past couple of weeks, ever since Maleficent, Mistress of Evil came out, 
there is one guy who is either doing one hell of a Andy Kaufman-esque routine or is a genuine psychopath who Elk Banning maybe should like call the cops. This guy just obsesses over like, ah, Maleficent's underperforming because it's a backlash against Elle Fanning. She can't act. She's not a star. But Hollywood keeps foisting her. Everyone's mad at her. They're boycotting her films because she worked with Woody Allen. And every week, even even now, with like Maleficent is like pretty much gone from theaters. This guy's still doing it. And now people are parodying it. (laughs) This weird obsession that this one lunatic had. So... Again, again, just yeah, check out the deadline.com uh, box office report every week for like, and, and I'm sure with the new Star Wars movie coming out this weekend, there'll be even better crazy stuff coming soon. Oh, God. Can only imagine. All right. Our number four is Foy. Number, number four is the WNUF Halloween special. Oh, nice. Yeah. This, this, and for me, that's extra special because I work at a television station, so I'm always seeing this old footage that they have in archives from like the 80s and i can't begin to tell you how dead on accurate this movie is to capturing the feel of shitty local programming local news the the, the, the main reporter who's this this kind of like smart ass disbelieving guy having to cover this haunted house story i work with that guy i know exactly i have i have a real life counterpart of him and it would probably end just as badly for him in real life as well <laughs> but it's yeah it, but it's actually kind of a brilliant little idea to basically have it like someone has found a VHS copy of this uh, one-hour uh, newscast followed by a very special episode where they sent their reporter into like do a seance in a supposedly haunted house, and things just go horribly wrong. And most of the news stories in the first half actually play into the second half. And also the brilliant idea of just like, okay, here's something that's not really important or vital. So whoever was dubbing this thing just started shuttling through the VHS fast forward. So you just get past it real fast. And like, you know, so many movies of the past 10, 20, 30, 40 years would have benefited if they just started shuttling in the middle of the movie. (laughs) No, I I really dig that movie too. It's kind of a Halloween staple now. I, um, yeah. Some of it doesn't work for me. Like I, ninety-five percent of the movie works for me, uh, but the big, some of the, the early biggest, stuff, just the performances. The big, like, the, well, the, the biggest mistake is when you kind of get towards the third act, they keep diving to commercial. Yeah, and it's like they keep kind of cut undercutting the momentum. That's like the one complaint I have about the movie. Where it's like, oh, well, something horrible just happened. Let's go to commercial, and it's like, and now you're even repeating a couple of the commercials. It's like, uh, uh-uh, you can't do that. But other than that, it's like, yeah, it's it, it become a Halloween tradition for me. I just remember an early the the early news story with um, you know the woman who's crying over is the loss of a child. I remember not being one hundred percent convinced, you know, by the performance. Which in a movie like that, where it's meant to be all you know, this is this is real. This is a you know, it's found footage. You know, it feels like or not really found footage, but you know what I mean. Uh, it just it took me out of the movie a little bit, and the climax, you know, the the final reveal as to what the true threat was, you know, some of the performances don't fully land for me there, but that is a, that feels like minor nitpicks when everything else is so damn great about it. Well, I actually, I've actually shown this movie to people and told them like, Oh, it's completely real. And to see how long it takes before they figure it out. And, and one person I showed it to actually broke out their phone when was trying to dial some of the phone numbers in the fake commercial. (laughs) 
<laughs> what happened? That's awesome. All right, Feeney. Gonna go with Strangers Pray at Night uh, for my number. Th- I guess it's my number three. Um, That's awesome. I, I this movie to me is like one of the purest slashers maybe ever made because uh, I don't even really consider the first movie a slasher, um, but this one is a slasher movie, and I love that it kind of changed subgenres. You know, from movie to movie, we had the kind of tense home invasion movie, and then this becomes literally just. It plays like a, a weird regional slasher. You know, the the campground setting is a is a really unique location. It's something I haven't seen in a movie really probably since some of those some of those like kind of indie slashers from the early eighties. Um, and I just love I love it, it, its simplicity. It has a jump scare that I guess was in the trailer. I actually, you know, I was so out of it with you know with my kids and stuff. Um, that I, I don't think I even saw a trailer for it before I watched the movie. So there's a, there's one jump scare in it that I, I'm immune to those things. And this one made me jump a mile. And so I was like, well, fuck you. Good, good job, movie. You got me. And that never happens. <laughs> um, I think the guy that plays the man in the mask is just a lot creepier uh, this time around. Um, you know, and I, and I love the way it kind of weaponizes our nostalgia, you know, and makes 80s, 80s music kind of foreboding and creepy. Which was a really is it was a really interesting I think use of '80s music because it, you know you think of you you associate the genre with the '80s, um, and here you kind of have them using '80s music almost like mu- movies in the '80s would kind of use like creepy music from the '50s. Well, mu- music that wasn't supposed to be creepy from the '50s, but was kind of played in a nefarious way, you know. And I and I it was really interesting to kind of be like, oh, we're here now. Now Total Eclipse of the Heart is supposed to be scary to kids watching this movie. Um, and it was a really interesting thing. I, I hadn't really considered that, um, but I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a brilliant way to do a, a, a slasher movie. And um, I honestly think it's, there's, there probably, in my mind, there probably isn't one better um, from the last decade. My only, I, my only two problems, I only have two problems with that movie. And one, I think every pretty much everybody agrees, like the final scene. Yeah. You could just tell like they really didn't know how to end it. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I mean it's it's not great, but it's I mean it's also it's just a typical nope, they're yeah. they're, they're still alive. I mean, I don't know, it's it didn't didn't bother me. And and my other compl- my my other problem with the movie is that that pool fight in the in the swimming pool is so just gruesome and intense that I, I kind of found it a little bit disappointing that the brother survived. It's like, nah, you you should have died from that. <laughs> that 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 that, that whole sequence is is maybe the one of the best sequences I've seen in a movie in in the in the last ten years. Like it it it's amazing. It's a, it's an amazing study yeah. in, in tension and in suspense and and then just brutality and horror and and setting it to music. Oh, it's it's chef's kiss. And and then also, you know, when you see that flaming truck at the end, I was just like, okay, why isn't this director already signed on to do the Christine remake? <laughs> yeah, using set to uh, air supply, making love out of nothing at all. Great. That movie makes me so happy. I've watched it like five times, and it, it just, I adore it. It's, it's, it's yeah. so good. I feel, I feel like the creepy song for the Christine remake, because it would probably now be set in the 80s, even though it's about a car from the fifties and now they'd be doing a creepy version of like, you know, I can't drive 55. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Get, my, uh, my number four. Oh, sorry. Hold on, hold on. I figured out the perfect song they would use for a horror scene. Uh, get out of my dreams, get into my car. My Billy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be it. I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I, I mean, would. Wait, that's that's going to happen sooner or later, right? I mean, if we've gotten to the point where Firestarter is getting remade, like where where the hell is that announcement for the Christine remake? Like, I'm just looking forward to in ten years when they just start remaking the remakes again of Stephen King movies. <laughs> I don't know if my heart can handle another Pet Cemetery remake. I got to tell you, uh, I just I don't know. Anyway, number four, uh, The Conjuring. Uh, I think it's still James Wan's best film. I I Hello? think it's just a hi, boy. You there? Can you hear me? All all I heard was number four, long dead air, conjuring. You, dead you've air. been <laughs> you've been glitching a bit tonight, in and out. So uh, oh. I don't know. It, uh, I don't know. Feeney, can you hear me? I can. I have not had a problem hearing you at all. Good deal. Yeah, all right. Yes. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. You've you've glitched a little bit throughout the night, but not bad, not bad. Uh, I yeah, I think it's James Wan's best movie still. I I think it's just a classy, old school, supremely scary, big budget horror film with fantastic performances. Uh, I, I I the set pieces are just fun and terrifying. I love the big beating heart behind it all. Uh, you know, I I really like the sequel. Uh, I I like a couple of the spinoffs, but this to me is still the one to beat uh, as far as this franchise goes. And I just. I just wish Juan was directing the third film. You know, I, what 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 is with that guy starting franchises and not willing to see them through? You know, when 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 the hell are we getting a complete trilogy from him? I, I swear, if we, you know, if we get an Aquaman trilogy after he abandoned Saw and Insidious and the Conjuring franchise, I promise you, I will watch them. But yeah, I'll be, I was, was going to say, you better not finish that sentence because I'm pretty sure we're going to get an Aquaman trilogy. <laughs> but I I. I <laughs> If he stays through the form, he'll do this one. He'll do the first one and the second one and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I just, I wish I knew why he won't just stick it out. Like I, and I thought the conjuring was going to be it after he did one and two. I'm like, no, clearly he's going to finish this up. And it's like, no, I'm just going to give it to the guy who did uh, the curse of La Girona, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't know about that one. Um, anyway, the conjuring, I think is brilliant. I, I love it. Uh, I uh, I can't think of too many horror movies like that, you know, in that specific genre that are as successful. Uh, and I I just adore it. So anyway, uh, Foy, on to your number three. I was gonna say real fast, like, what are the odds that The Conjuring would have a more successful shared universe than DC? <laughs> it's uh, it's a fair point. Uh, what what is yeah. it with uh, the people from the Conjuring universe making DC movies now and doing a great job of it? I mean, Juan crossed over. Uh, David Sandberg did Shazam, which is one of my favorite DC movies now. Uh, and I think that's curious. There's I, something there. I wonder if one of the reasons why James Wan's kind of moved on because like you, you get you kind of get the feeling that they've kind of diluted the Conjuring title with all of the spinoffs now and yeah. the sequels to the spinoffs. It doesn't Although, really, the Conjuring doesn't really stand out. It's like, oh, they're making Conjuring 3. And it's like, yeah, but you've already made like three Annabelles, a nun, uh, three of the three of this, two of that, like La La Rona. 
Yeah, yeah. When you've gotten to the point where they're like, yeah, the coast of La Llorona is uh, also kind of part of the Conjuring universe because we had this one actor in it, and he's, uh, you know, he played a character in another movie in this franchise. So yeah, no, they're they're tied together. It's totally part of the same universe. Uh, yeah, it just makes me sad. Uh, I think of the spinoffs at this point were only uh, Annabelle Creation and uh, Annabelle Comes Home. Like, holy shit, you know, what a fucking franchise. But. Uh, uh, that first Annabelle and the nun is, is yeah. yeah, not a fan. Oh, anyway, yeah. Uh, my number three. It's time to go back to Norway, and it's perfect for this time of year because it's rare exports a Christmas tale. That was this decade. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it's a yes. ages ago. It was at the very beginning of the decade, but it was this decade. Yes, oh, it was. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yes, a movie. Uh, if Stephen King and Steven Spielberg decided to make a movie about wild, feral Santa Clauses running wild in Scandinavia, and the only person who can stop it is a young boy who's grow who's learning how to become a hunter, neither one of them would choose to shoot full frontal nudity. <laughs> that, that, eh, King might have done that. If, if, it, if it was like in his maximum overdrive cocaine years, he might have gone for it. But... <laughs> But it's like, yes, yes, because he would. It's like, it's like every time I've ever like like recommended this movie to people, I kind of give. I, it's like I try not to tell them too much because if you heard the the basic explanation, you'd just be like, "What are you, an idiot? That's the dumbest thing ever." And it's like, nope, it it actually works. And then you know the ending is basically there a, a a stampede of old hairy naked Santa Clauses running wild, and then they get captured. And boxed up and repackaged by a new corporation run by the kid and his dad that sells Santa Clauses to every country on the planet, and you're just like, this 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 movie should not work because it is such a ridiculous premise, and yet it has this really you know the early portions of it have this really creepy vibe going on with this you know because it starts out with just the one feral santa claus and then it's even more insane when you find out it's actually based on real folklore that this is actually the the the, the wild yule man of scandinavia is actually very much where some of the origins of santa claus comes the one disappointment in the movie is that they build up that there's this one like giant monster santa krampus thing Locked inside this ice that they're trying to uh, un, you know, unfreeze. I guess it just wasn't in the budget because you never get to see it before they blow it up. But other than that, yeah, this is the, uh, really one of my favorite movies of the past 10 years. Yeah, it's great. I, I try and watch it every holiday season now. Um, if I can throw a shout out to uh, somebody on Twitter... Uh, just because I, I did not know you were uh, you were going to bring up this movie, and I think it's awesome. Uh, the last night that I had anything to drink, I made this uh, this uh, this this great drink. That uh, is it, Christy. That's at Miss Lucy D. Lucy with an S created a drink called the Rare Export, meant to be enjoyed with the movie. Uh, 14 ounces of black coffee, one pack of hot chocolate, two ounces of Finlandia vodka, one ounce Bailey's, and garnish with a candy cane. And it is delightful. Um, so I'm just throwing that out there. That's good. And if you drink too much of, if you drink too much of it, you will also be running naked in the snow. <laughs> it's none of your damn business, boy. <laughs> and, and you know, I'll also say it's like it didn't make my list, but I also really like another one from uh, the Netherlands, Sint or Saint. Oh, that's a which is more thing. of a 
Slasher. Yeah, which is more of a slasher movie version of like oh, based is that on. The, is that the Dick Moss movie? Yeah. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. And you know what? I I my I want I want to know. Dick Moss made a movie in 2016 that still hasn't seen the light of day over here, and I want to know what the hell's going on. I know. It's called, it's called Prey, and it's about a rampaging lion getting loose in the streets of the Netherlands. It's basically <laughs> Alligator, the lion, in Holland. All of Dick Moss's movies that I've seen have been highly entertaining, so yeah, I, 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 would, uh, I would love to see that. Okay, so Feeney. Oh, 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 sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Feeney, it's like, you said you said Maniac was on your list, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how about we just like, okay, we'll just skip past you, come back around and keep things like on a regular order, because otherwise you're going to be doing number two, number one, while we're still doing number two. That's totally <laughs> what I was getting ready to suggest. I was going to Okay, say. do it. Okay, so back to you, Foy. For no, wait, I got to do my number three. My number three is uh, Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. Ah, uh, good choice. I, I think it's perfect. I love Aronofsky's work. I, I even love Noah. Uh, I just kind of wish you know he would just make horror movies after seeing what he could do with this. And uh, you know, Mother. Uh, I, I I think Black Swan is a great companion piece to The Wrestler, which is you know decidedly not a horror movie, but uh, you know, I I I just think it's an incredible look at. Uh, I, at I like I like it a lot too. I I. It's it's really good. Yeah, I'm having uh, the same reaction. I'm having the same reaction to that that Feeney had to rear exports. Like that was this decade. I thought that was before 2010. I, I did. I did beginning. too. I was, I was, couldn't remember. I think it was late late 2010, and uh, I love it. I just think it's an incredible look at uh you know the the strain that creatives can break under when they're pushed or push themselves to the limit. And for that reason, I think it could also make for a great double feature with Whiplash. So just throwing yeah. that out there. Uh, okay, so number <laughs> You're up. Uh, boy, number two. Number two, and, and mine's kind of an interesting one because not only can I name the movie, uh, I could also say the TV show, What We Do in the Shadows. I haven't seen which the TV is show. Absolutely. You've never seen it? I've seen the movie and I love it. I have not seen the TV show. Oh, okay. Oh, the TV. The TV show is is just as good and sometimes even better. It's basically if Monty Python made a vampire document, a fake vampire documentary. Oh, I mean, it's just there's just so many things in that thing that's just hilarious. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. It absolutely. I can't. I can never pronounce his name right. Tycho Watiti. Watiti. I mean, thank, I thanks to this movie, you know. That, yeah, it's like thanks to this movie, we got you know Thor Ragnarok, we got Jojo Rabbit. It's like this thing really just kind of propelled his career. And the TV show, I, I think it's almost a perfect companion to the movie because I mean there there's some stuff in there that just I I just about died laughing. Is it set in the same world, uh, or is it kind of a TV show remake, or how how does that work exactly? Do any of the characters from the movie cross over? <laughs> Uh, the way it works is a completely different set of vampires, but they're living in like America. I think they're living in New York, and they're and and the, um, old master has come over to like the new the new world and is like, hey, we sent you here to America to conquer the land. So like their first plan is like, all right, well we have to start conquering like Manhattan or what, I forget where what part of New York they're on. So they're like going to civic council meetings and using vampire powers to try to take over. <laughs> At one point, the old master demands to uh, 
like he, he wants to be taken out of the town. He wants to actually experience nightlife in America. And it's like they go into a, they're, they're at a club and like they're like looking into the camera and just like we 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 drank the blood of some ravers who were on drugs and now we're all on drugs. <laughs> they're all high. The master has a guy turned upside down in the bathroom and he's drinking blood from his neck like a keg stand. There's a there's a great <laughs> episode. With, yeah, there's a great episode where they get into a fight with the werewolves, and it's like you pick your top fighter, and I'll pick out. We'll pick out our and the uh, the vampire who offended them. He has the like. So it's like this giant jacked up dude who turns into like this seven foot werewolf that's just ready to rip him apart. And it's like you get to pick your weapon, and the werewolf is like, I choose claws. And the vampire's like looking at this table of like all these different devices and he just picks up like a little squeak toy and starts squeaking it and the werewolf goes nuts and chases it off the side of the building <laughs> while the other werewolves are like, no! <laughs> but I mean, the movie itself has just got so many things like the, like the scene where he's like, he's with the woman he's planning to kill and drink her blood and he's like, like I took her out for a nice dinner. I thought, you know, it's her last night on Earth. She deserves to have a good time while he's laying down like He's like laying down like newspaper all around her to get soak up the blood. <laughs> just, you know, one of the funniest, one of the funniest lines. Like, oh yeah, the funniest, one of the funniest lines is just like, oh, why do uh, you know, why do vampires always, you know, you know, drink the blood of virgins? And it's like, well, I mean, if you were eating a sandwich, wouldn't you prefer to know no one has ever fucked it? <laughs> yeah, it I mean, yeah, this, it's just. It, it's the best horror of, of the decade. The movie, the movie's funny. I haven't watched the show, but yeah, that's kind of sells me on the show. Oh yeah. Okay, uh, Feeny, you're number two. So I'm gonna get some shit for this one, and I, I really don't want to hear it. Uh, now, can I ask before you say? Yeah. Is it your? I, I know you said your your number one was pretty much set in stone, but everything else is a little nebulous as far as the order goes. Would this be your actual number two, or is it just another movie that you're mentioning before your number one? No, no, it's it sort of. It probably wouldn't. It wouldn't be like my number nine, but you know, like, but it, but it would probably sit somewhere in my top five. Okay. Uh, and that is uh, the great Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Um, okay. It's I. You didn't say Covenant, so that's cool. I, I I really enjoy Covenant as well. Um, I I love Prometheus. I think it's it's visually it's probably the most beautiful movie of the decade. Uh, I saw it three times in IMAX, which I I have no easy access to IMAX. It's a production for me to get <laughs> to get to IMAX, um, and I made the effort three times because it, it was it was just such a visually striking movie to me that I it's just and it was the movie that inspired me to buy a projector so I could project it in 3D on my wall <laughs> it was like it was just it's it's a movie that I completely fell in love with in spite of its you know it's it's got some quirks um but I I love I love the Lovecraftian kind of idea of kind of going to you know searching me, meeting the creator or trying or striving to meet the creator and just discovering hell um and it's it's great i mean i i really really love it and it's it's a movie that is yeah it's got some things that kind of uh some record skips i guess you could call them you know in the movie but um but then they're not enough to take me out of it um just just really really think it's fantastic and probably bold a uh, bold bold proclamation is is probably my second favorite alien movie what is your first alien where does aliens fall? 
might be three, but it might not. I don't know. Might be three. What the hell else would be three at that point? I I I am I am I like I like Ridley Scott's Alien Universe more. It's more interesting to me than anything that isn't Ridley Scott. Don't say it. Don't don't you 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 would not put Covenant over Aliens. I I haven't seen Covenant enough to. Oh my God! No, that's the moment where you're supposed to say, "Of course I wouldn't." No, I'm not going to say that because I think I've always. And like this is this goes back to Dinner for Fiends. I mean, I I've always maintained like I, I completely respect Aliens. I, it has a great it's it's culturally you know significant. It's a it's a watershed of the, of the '80s. Um, you know, it's it's a very important film. I have nothing but respect for it. Personally, it just it's not one that I um, I, I you know I have an affinity for. Like it's it's both things can be true. Um, but it's just not like one of my go-tos where it, it is that way for many, many people. Um, but, you know, it's – it's look, I want to talk about Prometheus, um, <laughs> you know, because that was this decade. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Prometheus is an interesting one because I find that it's – it's you either have the detractors who kind of wrote it off pretty quickly – um, or you have kind of people like me who who are really just excited about it and kind of still love it. And every once in a while, I I bring it up on Twitter and I people come out of the woodwork being like, you know what, I love that movie. And it's like, yeah, man, they, we're out there. I um I remember I think it was the longest thing that I ever wrote for Dread. I can't believe that I'm bringing up Dread Central so much on this talk, but um I you talk about record skips in the movie. Like to me, those things keep it from being a masterpiece but this stuff because there's so much stuff like it it, it just drives me fucking nuts about the movie but everything that it gets right is so fucking good like i i i completely i'm not gonna give you any shit for putting it on you know this this top 10 i get it I, i i love ridley scott i uh I, I love that world, too, and I love the story. I love the broad strokes of the story. I think where it uh, sort of loses the plot is in the finer details, but even then, like, I just... Fuck, I, I, I do think it's a great movie in spite of its flaws. You know, in some, not all, but some of the flaws are... What's frustrating is, like, some of the flaws are rectified in the deleted scenes. Definitely the, and... the albino alien snake thing uh, is taken care of by the deleted scenes. I remember that. Yeah, and and there's there like in it's like oh, and I remember Ridley talking about oh yeah, my director's cut, you know, well that'll come out eventually, and it's like, you know, release it. Never mind the Snyder cut. Give me the give me the Ridley Scott Prometheus cut. Actually, I want the Snyder cut too. So don't don't never mind that. But you know, uh, I want the Snyder cut to come out just so I can stop hearing about the fucking Snyder cut. That's all I want at this point. Like I I didn't care to begin with. I'm absolutely convinced if the Snyder cut ever comes out, everyone will be like, wow, that, that, that kind of sucked. The theatrical version really was better. No, no really uh, literally probably. nobody would say that. Not a single person on earth would say that. And I enjoy, he, well, I, I, I liked Justice League. I never as saw as the it, movie, so I it's a, it's a Saturday morning cartoon of a movie. That's, that's all it is. It's deeply flawed, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. I don't, I don't understand. I don't think that I don't, know why people are convinced that Snyder's cut of that same movie is going to be this fucking masterpiece. Did you see Batman versus Superman? 
Did you see I Man love, of Steel? I, I love Batman versus Superman, the extended cut of it. The extended cut is damn good and a, a damn sight better than uh, the theatrical cut, but it's still like, man, it's not, a, it's not a masterpiece. There's nothing in the movies that he made in that world that tell me that his Justice League would be like this, this gem that's being withheld I, from the I don't agree. I don't agree with that at all. I, I, I would love to see it um, because I think that at the very least, whether you like Zack Snyder or not, um, Ooh, I do actually. Oh no, 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 no! I'm just, I'm just, I'm speaking, I'm speaking to everybody. Um, he, you know, he is, he is, uh, he's a, a visual guy, very visual guy, very, uh, a, a very passionate storyteller, and you know, I don't want to get into his choices because I don't agree with all of them either. Um, but That's I think I, I would rather, I would rather get whatever whatever it was i mean sight unseen i don't know that much about what this proverbial snyder cut is i mean i read i've read a little bit about it but um i would rather get what he intended it to be than what you know the than than what the executives were like let's get the guy that that made age of ultron to to make us kind of a little age of ultron like you know what i mean like it's like and also the first avengers come on but it took more cues from Age of Ultron, which is why I mentioned, <laughs> which is why I'm mentioning it. Um, I will but, say, do you, but, do you feel that Snyder would have finally? I mean, hate hate Justice League if you want. I don't know if you hate Justice League, but I, I just for all the people who do, I'll say this: it finally did one thing right. I, dodgy CG upper lip shit aside, to me, Superman finally felt like fucking Superman. Like it's the story that he tells at the very beginning, the fact that he walks up and talks to two kids who are staring up in awe at him. And he tells that great sort of like inspirational story about the meaning of the S like later the, the him meeting cyborg for the first time in the middle of that almost bomb diffusing situation with the mother box. And he's just like, okay, what do we got? You know? And they put their hands in it and they break it apart and they get blasted back and they're both in pain and they both look at one another and they start laughing. That's fucking Superman to me, not the dick that he was in the previous two movies. So if if Whedon's contributions, if the only thing he was able to bring to that movie that was worthwhile was the fact that Superman feels like Superman, like I'm cool with what he did. Well, I, I mean, and we can we can stop talking about this in a second. But I think that I mean, f- from what I what I remember when I was following the the, the, the Zack Snyder movies. I don't know. He always said like, yeah, we, you know, we're getting to, to that, but I wanted to explore kind of, you know, getting Superman to that point. And I, I, you know, I was fine with that. I was fine with kind of the more somber Superman. I really was. Um, because in my mind and what the plan was, was like, you know, Henry Cavill was at one point going to be Superman for a very long time in a lot of movies. Um, and I hope, I hope he's, I hope he comes back because I, I he claims he he claims he's still attached and and, and still is technically Superman. Yeah, Rudy Moore um, was going to be Elizabeth too until she wasn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, hey, uh, he, he he was great in that headless scene at the end of She's to Him. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, I don't know. I I I am all for the Snyder cut, and I but but. Going back all the way around, um, I would love the the longer version of of Prometheus to come out. Um, you know, I don't know if that's still in the cards or not, but um, but yeah, it would be it would be really cool to see kind of like the the Ridley cut. Can I ask? I know we're pushing like two and a half hours here, and I can feel Foy twitching. But can I ask you one thing while we're talking about Prometheus? Because it's an older movie, and we talk rarely, so I feel like this is one, my my one chance to ask you about something. Yeah. 
Do you have any, and you acknowledge their record skips in the movie, but I'm curious. I've always wanted somebody to explain this, and, like, I, I, I'm I, waiting for somebody. You know, I, I listened to the commentary hoping he would be like, ah, oh, this is why we did it. He never does. <laughs> um, forgetting the fact that they cast a young man as Wayland, and then they put him in the worst old-age makeup a big-budget movie like that has ever had, what is the reasoning behind a billionaire or a trillionaire, whatever the hell he was, to fund this expedition, to be the money guy, to pay everyone to work for him. What is the point of him stowing away in secret on his own damn ship, only to be revealed later as kind of like this big surprise aha moment? Why did he fake his death? What was the point of that? I'm waiting for somebody to be like, well, clearly he did it because of this, you know, and I've yet to get that. I've watched all the deleted scenes. Like none of the, none of them answer that. And I was hoping if you're, you know, I, I, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that as well. I can't help you. Okay. fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, okay. My number two, uh, my number two is, um, hereditary. I, uh, it is hands down the most terrified I've ever been in a friggin' movie theater in recent memory. Uh, I think everything about the movie is pretty much perfect. I fucking adore it. Uh, I think Tony Collette was robbed. Uh, the fact that she wasn't even nominated for that performance blows my mind. Uh, I talked about it at length last year on this show, so I, 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 I won't go on and on about it, but I just, I, I love it. I love it so much. Love Midsummer too. I cannot wait to see what that guy does next. I, um, I, I, I don't know if I got into it with you last year, but my my biggest contribution to this conversation would just be that I think uh, Gabriel Byrne I think had the best performance in that film. You did say uh, that, and we did get into it. And I, okay, okay, I, yeah. Because I, I I, your... it's, it's it's funny. It's a comedy performance, and it and it and it and it it's it it very much grounds the rest of the movie because I mean the like Tony Collette is very good, very very showy. It's a very showy performance. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I just thought burn kind of going the other way. High wire one too. Like I, it's a showy performance. Like you can tell, like there are moments where it's acting, ah, you know, but like, it's not a bad thing. Time, I mean, I'm not saying no, that's bad. It's fearless. Like I, but I agree with you about Gabriel Byrne because he kind of like stands in that shadow when, you know, I mean, she got all the love and he got practically none, but I think the three leads were all amazing. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's very well acted. Definitely. I like the movie too. All I still right. haven't seen it. Get out. I saw that. <laughs> All right, your number two, Foy. We're nearly we're we're gonna beat the three hour mark. I swear. Maybe my number two. I, I already did my number two. What? No, you didn't. Wait, did I finish? Okay, yeah, no, no, we're, holy we're, shit! We're, no, we're, you're. Oh my god. The night is wearing on. Uh. All right, number so one. roll, please. Foy, number one, your right. best movie of the decade. Well, horror movie. It's like not best movie of the decade. But Same thing. Yes, my, my choice. Yes, and it, it, it's an obvious choice. Uh, my number one is Atomic Shark. And um... I'm hanging up. <laughs> I knew he was going to do it. I just thought he would do it sooner. I didn't think he'd wait until the very end. I was I was waiting for it, and then... By God, he tricked me. I, at a certain point, I just I forgot that he was going to do this because. For, for the record, I helped write that movie, and even I can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> but, uh, 
Number one, my best horror movie of the past decade, hands down, Train to Busan. Don't get the fuck out of here. Oh, no. Oh, I, fuck I, off. I, yes. it's, it's not my favorite. It's not even in my top ten, but that no, was I'm a great just, I'm just movie. kidding. I, have, I haven't seen it. <gasps> Feeny, no. Oh, I'm sorry. In that case, I'm, wait, I'm sorry. In that case, fuck off, Jinx. Not even in your top ten. Well, At least not. he didn't see it. No, hey, I love yeah. that movie. I love it. It would probably be in my top 20. How's that? Oh, good. Because now, now it'd be a five hour show. <laughs> I can do another two. It's up uh, to you guys. I got another I, need, I need to watch it. I forgot I forgot about it, actually. I'm, I'm making a note right now. Uh, train, train to Busan. It's just, it's got, it, it, to me, it's the best zombie movie of probably the past 20 years. I had every it's intention got, of seeing it. Yeah. It is now. Oh, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I, it it it's yeah because it does it hits all the notes it's it's got horror it's got action it's it's kind of it's I like to say it's kind of it's very heartbreaking at times you actually feel bad when characters die it, yeah. even even some of the yeah it rips it really kind of rips your heart out at the end and the zombies it's like yeah we've seen like the running rushing rage zombies a billion times over but there's just that that one scene where they're trying to hold them back from the glass. It's like I, I'm just watching this movie. Like this is what World War Z should have been. I, I'm still not quite sure what World War Z was. I know some people really like the movie, but it's just like I, I don't know. It. Strangely, yeah. I mean, I it was okay, but I just remember thinking like that last bit with Brad Pitt, like you know, trying to navigate the uh, the uh, like the, the 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 disease center, like. That was somehow more intense than like the actual like armies of zombies coming in by the thousand through the streets. And this movie is kind of like it feels like it could have been a chapter in a better World War Z movie. Like here, oh, here's this guy. Yeah, he's taking his daughter on this, you know, the train to train to the city of Busan, and you you get to actually kind of know the people on the train, so you actually have some reason to care when they start turning into zombies. I mean, I, I mean, it's like if you haven't seen it, it's like you really should. And they keep threatening to do an Americanized uh, English language remake, and it's like, please, please don't. What the hell would that be? Just let it. Train to where? I, tra- train, uh, train to Boston. I don't know. <laughs> I fuck I, I really you. The, yeah, <laughs> I think I heard something like they were talking about Liam Neeson starting in an English language train to boot. It's like. You know, no. there's some movies that just because they were done in a foreign language in a foreign country with non-white people, you don't need to do a remake of it. You don't need it. You know what else we don't need a remake of? The Raid. Oh, that's they're not, not going to happen. Be- that's such that's such a dumb idea. Oh. I know they've been they were talking about it for years, but it's just but like. If, but like, if Joe Carnahan did it, I would not- watch the damn thing. Yeah, but it's like you're not going to make a better version of that. You're not going to make a better version of Train to Busan. It's a, it's a it's part of the main reason why Train to Busan worked is because it has that you know Korean flavor to it. It is this other country where, I mean, you know, it's like you know, getting from places of throughout South Korea by train is actually quite common. If an Americanized version, you'd be taking an Amtrak. There's a twenty percent chance it would derail anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, no, I love that movie. I, I think it's fantastic. Uh, Feeny, please, please track it down and watch it. And there is a, uh, on Shudder, there's an animated prequel that I have not seen yet called, was it Soul Station, I think? 
it, it, I've watched it. It's all right. I don't. It, that was one of those things I was kind of like, I don't really know what the point of this is. It doesn't really need to be. All right, Feeney, you have completely checked out if you are tweeting now. <laughs> How about that? I'm the one who goes to the end without complaining. He's over there trying to entertain himself. I sent one tweet. Relax. You sent two. I've checked. I, I happen to be scrolling, so I guess maybe I checked out a little bit, too. I apologize. Oh God, hold on for a second. How, how bored are you that you're also checking Twitter right now? <laughs> no, I'm checking for other reasons. Uh, I just happened to cross. This is why I said at the beginning of this. It's like, oh, my God, it's so sad people are looking forward to this. Even we're checking out, and it's not even over. <laughs> well, let me, all right. All right. Uh, let me give my number one, and then Jinx can give his number one, and then we could we, we can wrap up. Um my number one this was an easy this was easy for me uh i'm going with it follows really it's my favorite it's it's in my mind it's a new classic it's one that i've watched it countless times uh i think it's probably the the only movie to give adult me actual heebie-jeebies um i think it i think it's i don't know it's grossing it's it's well made it's it's purposely obtuse in a way that i really like it's creepy as shit um i love it i just love it i think it's great i uh although yeah, i will say one thing if i can knock... the... oh sorry okay. i was just saying it's just, yeah it's just, like you don't normally it's like obviously it should be an odd thing to see but man just seeing just a naked man standing on a rooftop looking at you as you're driving off it's like <laughs> hey you don't realize how creepy it is until you actually see it that's awesome although i, I did I, I did like the one person who said like you know they could have solved all their problems if she just fucked an astronaut <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I I really love that movie too. I, I I think we actually had the opportunity to talk about it on a dinner for fiends on one of the few so. that I did, and uh, I I to this day I do not understand people getting up in arms over the uh, the rules and the fact that they're like you know uh, the the rules don't hold throughout the course of the movie and it's like but we the rules are given by you know somebody who's unreliable it's just been passed right. along to them i don't know why you feel as though they're set in stone and why you're judging the movie by that it blows my mind uh if i had one criticism to level against the movie it's not really even against the movie itself i i would say the same thing about the babadook which was at that time when those movies came out i think you know in advance of them actually hitting theaters for everybody to see you know there was this wave of reviews that called them you know so unbelievably terrifying and frightening and scary and uh no like you said i mean it follows is it's creepy it's it's the kind of horror that gets under your skin it's not terrifying i don't think uh same thing with the papa duke and so you know my no, first but i also like each, that kind of it just that... let me down a little bit because that's what i was expecting and it, it's the same thing with uh, i don't know why i'm thinking of this movie but Shyamalan's the village you know they Summer of 2004, they pushed that movie so hard as being like the most terrifying film since The Exorcist, which, I mean, how many times have we heard that in the last 15 years? But, um, you know, and as a result, you know, I went into the village expecting. How many you know, times have we heard that just like the past two years? That's like become <laughs> the new go-to thing. It's, oh, sure, yeah. It's, uh, trying to sell a movie to a bunch of people who probably haven't seen The Exorcist, you know? I mean, I, I don't know why that's... That's what they throw on it. I, I just, but, you know, I, uh, so with It Follows, you know, my first viewing of it was kind of marred by those expectations. And, uh, uh, but in all of the subsequent viewings, like, I, yeah, fuck, I, 
think that's a great damn movie. I'm actually kind of surprised it didn't pop up on my list. It it, it would be close, I think. You got to do what I, I do with the festival screenings and stuff. And my my default my default reaction is, I bet that sucks. And, then, <laughs> and I and I don't do that because I don't really think it sucks. I just mean like I love my like I know the festival atmosphere and um I there's there's one movie in particular that and I'm not gonna get into it, uh I'm gonna be a little political with this. Um but you could if you guys will figure it out. I'm not gonna confirm or deny it. Um but there was a festival last year and there was a movie that premiered at the festival um that everybody was literally tweeting about in the aftermath of watching it oh my god this is a masterpiece this is great so many insane you know descriptors were thrown around um and the movie was terrible actually genuinely terrible and um so it's it's just i i take the festival reactions almost as a parody of itself because it's like it's everybody gets excited about being you know everybody's thinking about their twitter feed as they're getting out of the festival they want to get the golden they want those you know they want the, the 500 retweets um and it's it's impossible to take seriously so everything to me is a grain of everything to me is the biggest grain of salt coming out of there it's like yeah okay is it is it really the scariest movie yeah is that the best okay yeah um but it works it, it works great because you're often very pleasantly surprised when like if you don't if you don't demand that that you know that expectation to be met and you come at it from the other way i think it it ends up work it it nets out i think you're giving the movie a better a better shake yeah the festival thing has actually become kind of a running joke between me and feeny because well, every time a lot like, of people a, a lot of people yeah <laughs> because you never see like oh some some new like let's say a horror movie has just debuted you don't see people like you know that movie was decent that movie was perfectly good. I enjoyed that film. Nope, nope. Modern masterpiece. One of the year's best. It will literally scare the shit out of you. Feces will be coming out of your rectum as you see it in absolute terror. The greatest movie since the last time I said it was the greatest movie. It's like, guys, seriously. <laughs> Dial it down. All right. Um, oh, shall I, shall uh, I do my and number one? more thing about Oh, no, wait, 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 hold on. One, one okay. more thing, real quick. About, cool. One more thing about this follows. You were talking about the people who complain about the movie that doesn't play by the rules. The thing I find most amusing is that one of the people who was one of the biggest compl- the people who crapped on the movie for not play, you know, like, oh, it doesn't have any rules that it follows, like, is Tarantino, a guy whose whole and career is about breaking the rules. <laughs> he 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 wrote he rewrote the endings of World War II and the Manson murders. But it follows. No, no, that didn't play by the rules. He didn't play by history. Yeah, I hear you. No, I did. Yeah. I. Uh, all right, we're at two thirty-five. Boy, we're gonna make it. I think. Uh, my number one. Ron, uh, we're doing good. <laughs> my number one. Hey, I, uh, I, I've been complaining. You haven't. No, not not on the show. You're the good guy on the show. No, people didn't get to see all the listeners right now. Didn't see all of the uh, the pre recording messages that you sent Feeney and I threatening our very lives. If we uh, if we even neared three hours, tell him, Feeney. I would, but I'm afraid that would add more time to the podcast. So, okay. I I haven't said here's the thing. I haven't said one word about it. Like like you went on the 30 minute doctor sleep thing. Oh, 30-minute Doctor Sleep thing. It was Relax. Like, it was like 10 minutes. 
All right, my number one. Uh, you know what? Uh, if Kaye du Cinema, whatever the hell they're called, if they can name it the best film of the last decade, then fuck it. So can I, because it is, damn it. Uh, I named it my, my favorite movie of 2017, and I will name it my favorite movie of the decade. <laughs> Twin Peaks: The Return. It's not fair. I was. I mean, I was. I made a conscious decision. I was like, no, I'm not going to include it. No, hey, come on. We already we set the precedent before. Like, uh, you know, I, what the hell? It's not television. You know, I. It's just not like it's. I what? So what would you call it? Like, is it not a movie simply because it's not two hours long and because of how it was presented? I don't know, but it's like. Fuck. I, whatever it is, I, I adored it. I think it's one of Lynch's best works, uh, which, I mean, hell is saying something. Uh, I think it's probably the most, uh, probably the most beautifully cinematic work of the last 10 years, even if it only ever aired on television. I think it's, uh, as haunting a story as I've seen in ages. And, um, you know, if for no other reason, it provides, the perfect closure for, you know, all those characters that we love, uh, before, uh, <laughs> before doing something utterly crazy in its final hour that opens up all of these other wonderful <laughs> questions. You know, if it's, uh, if it's the last we ever get of that story, I am, I'm good with it ending on, you know, I'm good. It's with a it much ending better on... ending. It's a much better ending than the, you know, the season two season two. Okay. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to hear me go off on twin peaks after a two hour, 40 minute show, but I'm, I'm going to, uh, so I, I'm going to be very aware. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to just say that it's probably one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Yes. Um, and I will I will be absurdly hyperbolic in this moment and say that I found that I found it to be um, almost restorative for my soul. And I I think it was it, it has bothered me for since I I watched Twin Peaks when it was on and the season two finale it haunted me in a way though of like, Oh my God, I can't believe like, it was just what might've been like what twin peaks might've been. And that was what twin peaks always, the caveat of twin peaks was always what it might've been, you know what I mean? For, for 25 years. And I never would have, you know, it, that was a long stretch of time where if you didn't have the episodes recorded, you know, you had no access to them. Like people, it's really hard to emphasize at this, at this point in time, like, how obscure those episodes were in like the, you know, maybe like the first 15 years after they went off the air where it was like, literally you had to have shitty VHS dupes. They did release VHS. They were expensive, hard to get. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Twin Peaks was always that, that tragedy of, of an unfinished masterpiece. Um, and now we have almost double the Twin Peaks that there was. Um, and it's all great. And it's it 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 really I did feel like it buttoned up a little kind of hole in my soul that had been there since I was a a little kid traumatized by the by the season two finale. So um, I agree with you completely. I think it was beautiful and amazing and terrifying and weird and thrilling in that every week you would sit down having no fucking idea what you were going to get because it had no form like a TV show. So you're like. I don't know. I hope the characters I like are in this, but I don't know what the fuck it's actually going to be. And that was thrilling in and of itself. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think the whole thing was incredible. Uh, just absolutely freaking loved it. Yeah. I can't shit. There's no topping that. You did my number one better than I did. That's unfair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I love it. Boy, have you, have you seen it? I've never been a twin peaks guy. So I'm the wrong guy to ask about this. 
And good night, everyone. We're going to go ahead and wrap up here. We're two hours and 40 minutes. No, 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 no. If you really wanted to have some fun, you'd have Buzz on here right now to discuss Twin Peaks with the two of you. I would hang up. (laughs) Does he not not like it? Hates it with a fiery passion. Oh. Yeah. can't come on the show. All right, folks, we are at two hours and 40 minutes. We have done our uh, our top tens. We're, we're completed. Uh, I, I don't really know where to go from here other than to just wrap up. I will encourage all of our... Oh, uh, here he comes. Let's get it on with him. Here we go. So anyway, uh, Pat Morita is a scientist. <laughs> no. Pat, Pat Morita is a no. scientist named Dr. I will, I will, I, I will not even do my outro for it. I will just cut, like... The, the audio will just cut out here. If you say one more thing about the Snowman, this episode will end prematurely. If you want to rob the listeners of my typical outro where I would invite them to share their own top tens of the decade, if you want to rob them of that, say one more damn word about the Snowman. I will, I will, I will end this episode right here. Well, I, I, okay, I will not do that. I will just ask you, I will ask both of you one question as people who have both seen the movie. Is it not every bit as confounding as Twin Peaks? What? The Stone Man. What year is this?